Here we go, bar flies. Welcome to the show. You already know it's done by bar flies for bar flies and all the other Bears fans out there. Well, folks, it uh, feels like Christmas just ended, and um, the Bears have added some new pieces and let go of some pieces. I don't know if you guys saw the news. Nick Foles is no longer yeah. a Chicago Bear as of this morning. Uh, so we're we see. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's vision coming to light um, in front of our very eyes. Uh, but we'll get these introductions out of the way right quick. As y'all can see, my man, K. Bizzle, back in the building. What's going on, KB? What's going on, baby? What's going on, folks? What's going on, chat room? Man, it's been, it's been a little minute to feel like uh you know, your boy had to take a little time off. You know what I'm saying? We, we was doing everything, you know, going on sabbaticals and whatnot. Uh, but now your boy's back, man. We're going to talk some football, man. We just got done with the draft, man. Got a lot of things to say about it, man. So we're going to go ahead and pass this round. Uh, yeah. And uh, as y'all can see at the bottom of the screen, my boy C-Dub from across the pond. What's going on, Chris? It's all going good, mate. Great to be on the show. Yeah, it does feel like the day after Christmas. Um, yeah. You know, it feels like, you know, you have all that adrenaline, it just goes poof. But no, it's great. Great to be on the show and uh, great to have KB back and Jordan back on as well and yourself. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to the show, fellas. And last but certainly not least, Jordan Silvera from all the way on the West Coast, waking up bright and early with your boy AC to tell us about these prospects that we just picked up man and i feel like between you and draft on tap and all the shows we have here on the ballroom i was um very educated about a lot of the a lot of the pieces that we picked up or could have picked up or some of the pieces that went other places that i hope that we picked up and uh so we definitely appreciate that man what's going on brother good morning ready good morning check morning chris kb AC, it's a good morning. It's a little bittersweet. All that hard work and the draft is over. At the same time, it's time for some nice R and R before we uh, kick up the season. And college football will be back, and I'll be back in my lair dungeon just scouting them again. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan got a dungeon over here. Okay, <laughs> you gotta lock yourself away at it. Back. I was going to say, the work is never done. My man, I heard like Batman. Yeah. He said, I got to go back to the Batcave and get right back to it. <laughs> yeah. The Jurassic so, Dungeon. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, were you guys any at all surprised about the Nick Foles news this morning? I mean. Uh, not really. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I kind of expected him not to be part of the team anymore, but I was hoping we'd yeah. get a draft pick for him. But uh, I didn't think it was going to happen as quick as it did. I'm gonna be honest. I thought it was going. It was going to probably hit around training camp. Maybe they were like, hey, you know, give you walking papers. But hey, man, they they did it quick. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think the thing I <clears throat> quickly say about that is the draft is the ultimate time to be able to cash in on whatever value Nick Foles has, and the fact that you went through the whole thing and couldn't get a seventh, couldn't get a compensatory pick, could get nothing back, mm-hmm. tells you that at that point. And I think the one thing we've seen Ryan Pohl show, even with the Khalil Mack trade and things of that sort, is he's talked about how he wants to make sure he sends players off to a good location or does what's best for the player. And I think you saw it here where <clears throat> Nick Foles 
you can either kind of hold him hostage on your roster and hope that mm. if another quarterback goes down, you can leverage that and say, okay, well, Nick Foles is an experienced veteran. You can trade for him. Mm. Or you can do right by Nick Foles, not hold him hostage and grant him his release so he can go wherever he wants now. Either way, you end up saving some money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think the tough spot with that is you got Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield sitting out there looking for new homes and they're younger. And I don't know if I'd say, you know, Baker doesn't have the, you know, Super Bowl or the MVP on him, but he's younger. And Jimmy G's, even though he's not great, he's led the 49ers to the Super Bowl, the NFC Championship and stuff. So maybe that was part of the thing that drove down his um, trade value, I guess is uh-huh. the word I'm looking for. Uh, I mean, were you quite surprised that we didn't get any offers for him, fellas? Were you quite surprised that we didn't manage to get a trade or, or this what you were like, expecting to happen that you were just going to get cut? I'm I'm thinking we may have gotten some offers. It just yeah, wasn't I thought. good enough that polls mm. just didn't pull the trigger. And right. Hell, I felt any trade would be good enough. Hell, you could have offered me a trade yeah. in 2025. I would have took it. As long <laughs> as you get Nick Foles up off of my books, I don't care. Uh, I really, yeah. I really don't care. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think. Just, what it, oh, go ahead, KB. Please. I was gonna say, man, just just looking at things, how I feel. Everybody knew we were trying to get rid of foes. Uh, I, I felt like they probably drove the price way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know how that game goes. You you never want to show your hand. Then I felt our like our hand was shown pretty early with him. And I mean, to be honest, it's Nick Foles. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the only person that I, I I even think would even have an inkling to even call about him would be a old boy up in Jacksonville. Like that, yeah. well, that was the only realistic place to me, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the situation there is, I, I if you, yeah, you were going to save, I think 4 million, if you were able to trade them 3 million, if you cut them. So at that point, if somebody offers you a bag of potato chips and you're still <laughs> saving a million bucks, you would do it. Um, yeah. So the fact of the matter is that tells you, and I, I don't mean to rehash the, the negative history, but it just shows you the state of the roster that Ryan Poles inherited and the lack of overall value or whatever value there was, mm-hmm. it was strapped to such prohibitive contracts that no team wanted to even take any value, whether that mm-hmm. be Goldman, uh, Khalil Mack, I understand you're almost trading for the talent, but the, inherently the reason why the compensation wasn't better in the Khalil Mack trade, and that's the only piece we've been able to trade off, is because you had to saddle L.A. and say, please, you have to take every single dollar of this contract. Yeah, yeah. You know. So. Yeah, that's true. And then we turned that six that they gave us into a couple of seventh rounders two, yesterday. Two seventh so. round picks, man. <laughs> the punter and the, uh, who's, who's the last guy drafted? Uh uh, the safety. Yep. Yeah, Eli Hicks. Yeah, we'll get into that, yeah. but I, I think uh, it's probably best to start at the top and work our <laughs> way down through the draft. Holes uh, was wheeling and dealing yesterday, making moves. He turned our six total picks into, I think, 11 total picks, which is, I mean. Right. I just, just thinking about this, man, hearing about it. We went into this draft with six picks, bro. Uh, I'm 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 gonna quote some some late great street knowledge for y'all. This is what Paul's did was the equivalent of taking a brick and flipping it and coming back with more product. This man six picks turned into eleven. We finished with the second highest draft pick total in the draft. Dog, I, I don't care if it's all late round picks because yeah, what I you don't. see what he got for that haul is ridiculous. 
he he so. he made up. He did everything he said he was gonna do. And that's that's one thing that's been different about him. He's he's legit said I'm gonna do A, B, and C, and he's winning done A, B, and C. And I think that's why a lot of the fans are pissed off because we're used to hearing A, B, and C, but then we get one, two, and three. Yeah, and it don't it don't make sense mm. to us. So, so in layman's terms, he bought a fixer upper, he changed the cabinets out, and he flipped it over, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I prefer the I don't want to brick. see our GM flipping brick. <laughs> he used to have a wide receiver that did that, and he's in prison now. So. Oh, that's true. It's true. It's true. It's all bad. I forgot he was a, I thought, I forgot he was a kingpin. I forgot. <laughs> but, man, I, 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 love to see, I love to see all the movement, man. Every trade back had me just like, whoa, we, we traded back again. Okay. That's that's cool. That's fine. Yeah, it is what it is. But I, I was over at my father in law's house on the back porch, and as soon as we made that last pick in the seventh, I just backed out of the. You know, I was following it on my phone, and then uh, I just backed out of the whole draft and everything. I think my phone was at like eighteen percent at that point. Um, and then it said, you know, it sent me a notification that we traded back up. I was like, well, all right, let's open this thing back up and hope my phone holds on. <laughs> So we'll go ahead and we'll get into this draft. And uh, obviously, I'm going to start at the top. Um, second round pick here. Uh, I've got a little bit of um, analysis from the CBS Sports app. Uh, Kyler Gordon feels right for uh, what? I don't understand that. Okay. Feels right for him. Bendy, unique athlete with explosive flashes, not crazy speed or ball skills, awesome hard-nosed run defender. Chicago simply needs to add talent all across its roster. They get that at a premium position with Gordon. Um, I'm going to drop this out so y'all can see our faces again because I like seeing my face. So We all will see y'all face, they see. So we know we know it's the damn AC show in the in the, hey, the pips. We we you, all background this. So right, <laughs> yeah. We we know we're just the backup singers. That's all we are, AC. We're just the backup guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Jordan taking over this show. I might have a job soon. <laughs> I'm just a Robin to your Batman, or I don't know. Hey, the I'll be Batman. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, so, I'm just uh, I'm just a fun and comedy comedy guy in the background. That's who I am. Yeah, <laughs> Versus the Riddler, because sometimes we can't figure out what the hell he's saying down there. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the worst thing is, I don't even know what I'm on about half at time anyway. Hey, see. <laughs> so uh, we should get into this pick. I guess <laughs> we're going off the rails early in this month. It's um, early. Yeah. So, so Kyler Gordon, they uh, they stayed put. They drafted him. I saw him in a lot of mock drafts in the first round, so I was pleasantly surprised that he was even there. The one question I had was, you know, Andrew Booth Jr. was sitting there too, the corner out of Clemson. However, um, Andrew Booth Jr. had a hernia surgery, and I had asked my wife, you know, if someone has a hernia surgery, how – She's a nurse, so this is why I asked her, not just some random person on the street. I was like, so <laughs> they have a hernia surgery. How often does that happen again? And she basically told me that it's like the lining of the stomach has a hole in it, so they go in and fix it, and it makes it more prone to happen again because that lining is is weaker at that point. So I feel like that's what scared the Bears away from that pick. I know a lot of people were upset. 
because a lot of people had booth higher than Gordon. Um, but that was a, sounded like a good reason to me. I was gonna say they also said that he had to have uh, core surgery too. I guess it wasn't just a hernia. It, it, I guess it kind of progressed upwards. So uh, it, the injury was a lot worse than than just a hernia, from from my understanding. Yeah, I, mean, I was just kind of raising my ego, and I did indeed have Andrew Booth higher than him. But you're considering that when they're all healthy and everything's perfect, and I mean, I don't, I'm gonna go on too much of a rant here, but. You can ask Danny Shimon, you can ask Neil Stopshinsky, Dane Brugler, the rest of them. I mean, as much as the fanalist scouts can do the film watching, you're not going to know also what's behind the scenes if they have any mm. off-field issues and things like that. Another reason I bring that up is, uh, you know, resident scouting director for the Chicago Bears here in the bar room, Greg Gabriel, had mentioned that apparently uh, NFL scouts went to go see Mr. Booth at Clemson multiple times. He wasn't showing up to practice. Uh, wow. so, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting, you know, obviously who knows what's real and what's not, but I think when mm -hmm. you look at the situation, AC, you're kind of spot on. Uh, that's the prognosis in my, I'm not a doctor, but in my early research around the hernia situation is that it can very much just re-tear and re-tear and re-tear and re-tear. So, uh, you know, and I see Adeptus here was saying that it's a little different with a sports hernia, but clearly I think that you look at Andrew Booth there and you go, you're a great player, but I don't even want to potentially inherit whatever this is when I have a relatively equal talent. Uh, I mean, just for full disclosure, as much as I had Booth higher, you're talking about a tie at cornerback five with me with yeah. Kair Elam, who went, I believe, at 29. So if you're talking Kair Elam and Andrew Booth, however you want to slot them, and then right after those two, it's Kyler Gordon. Very mm -hmm. similar talent, and you're not getting the injury concern. Yeah. I agree with that. And um, I was going to say something, and it completely slipped my mind what I was going to say. That happens. It's early, folks. <laughs> uh, you guys want to move on to the second pick in the second round? Yeah, sure. KB got his little girl favorite. over there. Oh, yeah, Jordan, big fan uh -huh. of this guy. Yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah, uh, with the – the 48th pick, we stayed put again and grabbed Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State. And his, uh, for anyone listening on audio, is why I'm reading these out. The, uh, the safety's long, explosive, hard hitting safety who flashed in coverage in the robber role. Not a lockdown, the slot type, smart, no nonsense player, size and speed specimen, more secondary, more secondary reinforcement in Chicago, but no wide receiver. Um, and I mm. want to add on to this. I think I had read somewhere that he didn't have a penalty in like the last two years in college, which I feel like is a, a big thing going forward for this Chicago Bears. They don't they don't want to get beat by the refs, you know, so so they want to get they got a hard hitting safety they can put back there next to Eddie Jackson and and he doesn't get penalized a whole lot to kill a drive, you know. Yeah, Kyler Gordon, uh, just for those unaware, too, is another player with that exact same uh, trait. No penalties, uh, mm -hmm. I believe, in the last two years of playing. So top two picks, no no flags there. Uh, I'll jump in quickly on Brisker. I mean, and if you want to dive deeper on, on Gordon and kind of a post-op we can or any of these guys, but uh, easily this was my favorite pick of the draft, followed by Dominique Robinson. Jaquan Brisker to me is – I, again, I don't want to even sugarcoat it and tell you all of a sudden because he's a Chicago Bears, my my safety two in this class behind Kyle Hamilton. 
Um, mm-hmm. He was my safety four or five right there with Jalen Petrie. So they both went kind of back to back with each other. But Brisker is a complete player, a guy that I, I when I when the pick happened, I had tweeted out like, welcome to Chicago. You know, Bears fans, we got Adrian Amos part two. And he's not exactly mm-hmm. a one to one player like Amos, who also went to Penn State, but a guy that plays man better than Adrian Amos. Uh, but can also play down in the box like Amos did. He's a little more fluid, a little more instinctive, better ball skills. I mean, that was a big issue with um, with Amos is that when the ball would come close to his hands, um, would have a little bit of a drop issue there. So exactly, unless it was unless it was Trubisky throwing it, he seemed to pick that motherfucker off. Every yeah, time. I was I was there live. <laughs> I got this cup for the uh, for the, for the uh, season opener there. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's, he's a great player, a former cornerback uh, college. He's a JUCO product, went to Lackawanna College for two years, transferred to Penn okay. State, former corner. So uh, really good player. I, I could I could wax poetically about him for the next 20 minutes, but I'm going to get off my soapbox here. I, but I say this to say, if you're upset or you don't understand the player, that's totally fine. I would just urge you to go watch the tape. He is a yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal culture ad, at the very least. If you're not getting anything else, when you watch the tape, you can literally see what he brings to that team. He was the, I called him the traffic controller in the back end, lining people up. And I mean, Penn State's defense is incredible with a lot of different talent at different levels, but particularly in that secondary, it was really just he and Tariq Castro Fields. Um, Mm -hmm. And Tariq Castro Fields is locking down as a man corner his side, but the rest is completely brisker controlling the traffic in the back end do, yeah. do, you, uh, do you do you sorry ASA, do you do you uh do you see him as a week one starter than jordan 100 percent, without a doubt not really, even right. it that's and that's why i think it's hard if and i understand why there's a sense you, i mean you pulled up that scouting report you see but no wide receiver where's the offensive line where's protecting just i get all that but right. to me it's hard to look at Kyler Gordon or Jaquan Brisker and say you didn't get day one immediate impact starters. Right. Right. Season opening day. I mean, I, I get it. I love Thomas Graham too. I think Kendall Vildor has something there, but to sit there and say, you didn't have a col- a hole at corner opposite Jalen Johnson feels misinformed. Yeah. And as much as you signed Dane Crookshank, Dane Crookshank has been a, specialty player a guy that erases athletic tight ends erases power slots to sit there and say all of a sudden he's going to be your starting strong safety and handle Mm -hmm. all the responsibilities with that that also feels a little premature and you clearly see them going and attacking it with kyler gordon and jaquan brisker yeah and and i didn't go ahead kb i I was just gonna say just to add to that because you know i i think uh you know the shock of it just hearing you we, we took two secondary players and then twitter blows up oh my god we're not getting anybody to help justin fields you alec pierce was on the board at one of those and george pickens was on the board i mean i as, as a fan it hits you first and this is this is like damn we, we don't have any help still but yeah. when you when you dive into the picks it's just like my man jordan said you see we 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 got two pretty much day one starters uh, and Kyler Gordon and Brisker, and I I love Brisker's game. I've been watching them ever since we made the pick. Kids fast, he flies around to to see some of the hits he makes on people. It it heart it harps back into the '85 Bears. You see Ooh, people holding, nice. 
you see people holding players up and he comes in and he lays the wood on them and, and is looking to dislodge balls. And they'll say, watch his film. He he is yeah. he is coming to hit you. Does not care how big you are, does not care who you are. He's coming to make plays. And to me, that is what we're, we were missing. We're yeah. gonna have to go out and sign people to, to play those spots. You're gonna look at a Xavier uh, Rhodes and you know, maybe uh, Rodney Harrison or, or Rodney Harris, whatever the kid is that uh used to play in Jacksonville. You looking at players oh, like Harrison, that, yes. yeah. You looking at players like that to try to bring in. You don't know how much they'll cost or what they'll want. So to get to get those two players, man, I think is huge. Yeah, you know, a couple of things about Brisker. Um, I love that he came from JUCO because that shows resiliency that he was able to fight through whatever usually juco guys it's an academic issue you know these these kids sometimes they're just not brought up in the in the home where uh academics is important and i believe brisker's brother was killed and he had a thing with academics come after that so he really had to build himself back up and he ended up getting you know he built himself back up to penn state one of the top pro uh you know the top programs in the country played really well um and as far as not grabbing a wide receiver here look i loved pickens and i loved pierce i, I that's who i wanted at that spot mm. and we missed out on them because of this but i i feel like poles stayed true to his board he had these players rated higher and i think he even said that in his press conference look we could have either traded back and grabbed someone else or went ahead and grabbed one of those guys at this spot, but we had these guys rated so much higher, almost in a different tier completely than these wide receivers that were left on the board that we felt it would be irresponsible to, to drop down. And then you see Jaquan Brisker go to knowing our luck, Green Bay Packers and have an all pro type <laughs> career. You know what I'm saying? And, and we would have been like, damn, we could have had so-and-so we've seen it time and time again. Um, yeah, I think I was. I, I think you really kind of hit on a good point there, and just want to really make sure we expound upon that, AC, because there's a real scenario here where I think I again, I, you're not going to find a bigger Alec Pierce fan than me, and it hurt watching these guys go. George Pickens, it felt like that was a lot of what was going on throughout the draft. Like Darian Kennard, yeah. we can talk about later, went a few picks before in the fifth, and so it just kind of happened throughout. And it was, if you want to call it bad luck, it's just the way it unfolds, but. You know, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth and Ryan Pohl saying, look, at the end of the day, we saw Kyler Gordon as a first-round pick. We saw Jaquan Brisker as a first-round pick. And I'm not going to be fungible in my philosophy, which is to say, if Brisker is, let's just say, safety four, Kyler Gordon is cornerback six, I'm not taking wide receiver eight because Justin mm -hmm. needs help and wide receiver eight technically fits better than the top-rated player on my board who's CB6 or safety four, and that's what you're seeing. And no, I, I understand it's hard to admit this as a Chicago Bears fan, but if, you're, if we're being honest with each other here, the Chicago Bears are not in a position where they are able to be picky and selective about what position yeah. they're fitting. It's a bad roster, and if you question how true that is, Ask yourself why Nick Foles can't get traded. Ask yourself why Eddie Jackson has no value. Ask yourself why we're only able to get a second-round pick for Khalil Mack. It's a situation where the roster has so many holes that you take the best player available. And if they're, you're gonna if you're going to be upset about anything, I guess take Solis in one situation. There is absolutely no doubt about it 
on multiple levels that the Chicago Bears got better after yesterday. Mm. But inherently, the secondary, which, by the way, got toasted by Matt Stafford in week one, got toasted by Aaron Rodgers. There's a fun stat. I'm forgetting exactly the number, but I think it was every quarterback that came up against the Chicago Bears had a uh, passer rating in the hundreds or something of that sort. So you immediately know that your secondary is significantly better. And I get it. Some people want to lose games 49 to 40 and just have shootouts and boat races, but you're going to need defense to win games, especially in the NFC North. And you got better yesterday or day two with Brisker and Gordon. Yeah. Well, Jay Sanders is in the chat kind of pissed off. 11 picks, one damn. He meant to play wide receiver. Stop the bullshit. Like, but we just broke down why that happened. You have players in different, they say clouds or tiers. A lot of scouts have a certain amount of players. Okay, this is cloud one, this is cloud two, and so on and so forth. And if you have players available still in cloud one, and these wide receivers you have in cloud two, it doesn't make sense to reach for that and then let these guys go somewhere else when there's no way you could have watched our defense last year and said that we didn't need secondary help. I think Doug Dyer said it earlier. I had put it up for a minute there. The Baltimore game, the Pittsburgh game, the um, there was another game there where our, our off. I think the 49ers, our offense did enough to win that ball game, and our defense gave up late touchdowns to lose the games for us. So if you don't think we needed help as a team overall and on defense, you're dead wrong. And when you see players like Teron Armstead, who get drafted in the third round out of Arkansas Pine Bluff, that go on to play left tackle excellently, and every Bears fan in here wanted him. Ryan Bates, undrafted free agent guard for the Bills. Every Bears fan in our chat room wanted him after we, you know, offered him. So you can find these old linemen. You can find them. Justin Ross is still sitting out there. He's he's he yeah. killed it in his freshman year. Him so, not getting signed is criminal, bro. I don't I don't know why he. I, I guess his medical's got to be way worse than what people thought. I don't know if the kid has attitude issues or what. That Justin Ross was a freaking talent his freshman year and looked like he might be the number one wide receiver off the board when he came out. I like I said, I, I guess the the injury is scaring people off like crazy. I understand it's when his spine the spinal surgery that he got. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that's that's major, but to be undrafted and still not be signed. Well, and I mean, you're spot on, KB, and I love Justin Ross. And I think this really kind of starts a bigger question about what the fans think the Chicago Bears need and clearly what the coaching staff thinks they need. And I'll go yeah. a little bit deeper into that. And with Justin Ross, I think, I mean, so everybody that is familiar with him, he had a great freshman year with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, then had a, I believe it was a gen, uh, genetic spinal issue he had surgery with took a red shirt year didn't play there's questions about if he'd even be able to continue his career came back was playing with dj ugalele another local southern california product who went to clemson ugalele is raw not a great quarterback last year and you had justin ross playing on a broken foot i believe or some broken bones in his leg or foot um, toughing it out showing that he wanted to play and compete And unfortunately, what that ended up with is that at the end of the season, he had to have surgery and get it fixed. So he was not able to prepare for his workouts um, and then still decided, well, I got to have some numbers on tape because unlike a fellow Clemson product, Andrew Booth, who has absolutely no numbers out there because he hasn't participated in anything. Justin Ross showed up to the combine at the pro day 
and performed admittedly very poorly. Uh, but again, everybody sees those numbers and says the kid can't play and context is needed. Now, I, regarding the philosophical issue that I'll be relatively brief on is that I, I, again, I was telling you, I love Alec Pierce. I love George Pickens. The thing that I think a lot of Chicago Bears fans thought is that we were looking for a big ball winner, a perimeter guy, an X receiver who plays on the line. And as much as, I, as much as I still think the Bears need that, it's very clear that Ryan Poles, Luke Getze, and company do not value that at this time in the draft. Even as a UDFA, Justin Ross is a perimeter outside receiver. And even if the medicals are awful, he's a free signing. You can bring him in for a camp tryout. They're not doing it. Nobody else is. Tanner Connor was out there. There were a lot of X receivers out there. And based on what we, the limited information we know about Luke Getze using Devontae Adams as a power slot on those glance RPOs and whatnot, you would have assumed that that would have been a role that they were looking to fill. But clearly it's not. Mm -hmm. Actions speak louder than words there. Mm. That's true. And, and I feel like they see a lot more in Mooney than we see as the average yep. fan. And, and when Mooney had a press conference, I think it was last week or right before the draft, you know, they were asking him a bunch of wide receiver questions, and he was just basically like, I was drafting in the fifth round. I can do this. You know, he he kind of – he sounds like he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's already got the relationship with Fields. And I think he's going to go out here and he's going to prove that he can be that number one guy. If anyone remembers, Devontae Adams was called Dropante because they mm. hated all his drops in Green Bay. And look what he turned out to be. I'm not saying that Mooney's going to be the best receiver in the NFL, but I really think he can plug into that number one spot. And I don't, I don't see why we have to. I don't know. I, I don't see why we had to push and reach for someone when we, if they, if they already think they have it on their roster. So uh, this is how I look at it, and I mean, I, I still kind of feel the way I feel. It's we look at it and we see Darnell Mooney. We kind of seen a situation like this just play out uh, not even two or so years ago when you seen uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who was the number two to AB's number one, come in and light the world on fire. He was he was the big ticket player on the Steelers offense then. He took over AB's spot and then you guys lose him yeah okay i didn't know lost he is. Uh -oh. so i think what he was getting at was, you, oh okay I, what was the last thing y'all heard <laughs> no, you're, you're you back. going on about about juju okay <laughs> yeah so what I, what I was saying is like just just in a quick thing we seen this start to play out in pittsburgh and i think that's what a lot of fans are starting to see juju became number one everybody focused on juju and then it was like juju was nullified he wasn't as effective as he was when he had a running mate that people could say, okay, we don't have to worry about him. And then you look at whether or not people want to say Allen Robinson was still Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson was still on the damn field. So whether or not he was running curls for the girls or taking plays off, you still had to worry about Allen Robinson because he was on the field. And Darnell Mooney was eating whoever the hell the number two guy was. was. So I think people look at that and they say, you know what? I don't know if we can put all of this on him yet. 
because if that happens and he gets nullified, then who's 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 one B? So I don't I don't feel that we need right now the big ticket because I have faith in Mo that Mooney can be that, but he needs a running mate that's not named Byron Pringle. Byron yeah. Pringle is a slot that can get open. He is not a number two yet. So I I, I would have loved to see us bring somebody in that could be a number two because I mean even when we get into Bayless. <laughs> I don't think Bayless is ready to be a number two. I think he has all the potential in the world to do whatever the hell he wants to do. But I do not think that you could put Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, and Bayless Jr. on the field and say, oh, we're going to be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, AC, do you want to jump into Bayless? Uh, yeah, I yeah. I was going to say, let's go ahead and jump into Bayless Jones then because he's the next pick here, 71. Oh, I was going to say, Jordan, you want to go for Go ahead, go yeah, ahead, I'll, go ahead. I'll go first, and I mean, I, I want to pat myself a little bit on the back here. I'll start with a little diatribe about a lot of people are going to tell you that he could be Debo, and I really would just implore you all, chat and fans, Chicago Bears fans, to slow down on putting these big comparisons on players. And the reality is, is if Debo Samuel was available in every draft, in free agency, in X player Traylon Burks is Debo and Phyllis Jones could be Debo. If they if that was the truth, then every team would have Debo Samuel. And so I don't think Valus Jones Jr. to me represents Debo. Now, if you want to talk about the role of Debo, a guy that can be used on jet sweeps, screens, as we saw him take a, I think it was like an 80-yard screen to the house against us. Uh, you know, occasionally taking the ball at the backfield, maybe some option plays. The role of Debo is fine to talk about. Now, if we're talking about the player, and I know AC is going to love this, the guy that Valus Jones reminds me of, and it's not a sexy comp because he hasn't had a ton of success in the NFL, but I think that when you, again, context matters, when you look at the teams he's been on, the offenses he's been on, he hasn't been given a fair shake. But as far as the college game, he was incredible, and this is what I see when I watch Valus. To me, Valus Jones reminds me of Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky. Uh, that is oh, the player shit. that I see. Okay, um, so I'm going to read his thing, and I haven't read the other draft grades. So according to CBS Sports, Kyler Gordon was a B-plus or a B-minus. Jaquan Brisker was an A. Vilas Jones is a B-plus. It says, Yak Phenom in the Debo Samuel mold. Kick return specialty appears when he's catching the ball on offense. Not a route running specialist. Crazy time speed doesn't quite play to that level. Old prospect who's already 25. If he was younger, he'd have gone much earlier, especially with the ball in his hands. And I am a Kentucky season ticket holder, uh, so I saw this man live, and he absolutely demolished us. Screens, deep balls, and he was schemed open to where we had a linebacker trying to cover him, and that's not going to freaking work. It ain't. But, uh, yeah, and he returns kicks, returns punts. He can run the ball. He can do end arounds. He can do a little bit of everything. Um, the guy is just fast. He's just speed. And it said in there that he's not a route-running specialist. Now, at Tennessee, they run a Chip Kelly-style offense where they're, get, they're running to the line. They literally ran more plays than any other college football, uh, like their average plays per game were the highest in college football. 
So they're getting up to the line and snapping it before you have a chance to even think about what you're going to run on defense. That's their offense. But with that, you get a lot of screens and you get a lot of deep balls. But before Valus went to Tennessee, he was at USC, which is typically a pro-style offense. So I don't want to just say that he's not a route-running specialist because he came from Tennessee because he also went to USC. So it's, it's difficult for me to – it's difficult for me to just say, yeah, he doesn't know a lot of routes and, and and talk about him like a Kevin White who spent all his time at West Virginia where they run go routes and screen routes. But he's been in other offenses. I'll say, so it's it's funny because I, I looked at Vegas once we picked him as a wide receiver and, you know, I let the draft play out and he was the only guy. Uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not just throwing a Debo name out there because, like Jordan said, bro, if, if he was Debo, he would have been in the first round. You know what I'm saying? What I saw was somebody that's been on the team before. I saw Cordell Patterson. I see right. a kid who was an all-purpose player. He wasn't just a wide receiver. Now, he he played a whole bunch of roles in 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 that, that Tennessee offense. Uh, he had over 1,700 all-purpose yards last year. He, uh, I mean, one of the things I have to see and I, I have to look at is you're not going to be able to keep that type of talent off special teams. The kid is a phenomenal kick returner. He's phenomenal with the punt return. He's 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 just somebody you want to have the ball in his hands with. And I, I he's like I say he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's going to be twenty five. I can care less about that. Michael. If he flames out, I was going to say he flames out in five years. Whatever, he's thirty. What do do you? But the kid is a talent with the ball in his hands. He's fast as hell. Then I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna try to. Put him on the field as much as they can. They they probably use them all around, but my that that's where my issue is. <laughs> and it's so funny, KB, because I mean they asked Ryan Poles about the age situation, and yeah, I think he had said something of the sort like, "Yeah, I mean, sure, if we're talking about how we could have a perfect prospect, I wish he was 19 years old." But right, you're picking the guy in the third round, he's going to have some issues. And about the age, I get it. I let me tell you, I. I have a live reaction on YouTube. I was watching the draft live on a stream with some other people. But the reality is I was not very happy at the pick because I thought it was a reach. And I still think that. But something I'm a firm believer in is that when you identify your guy, it doesn't really matter where you get him. Sure, I don't want you taking a seventh a guy you would have taken in the seventh round in the first round. But the one thing that's absolute without a doubt is that, and you saw it with the draft grade there, the league prioritizes speed. When you look, and I know we got resident Lion fans, Don Burr in the chat here, they traded up 20 spots to get an injured speed threat in Jamison Williams, a guy that can't even immediately contribute. Now, he'll play this year likely, but that is the quality of what speed is worth. You look at the second round, Tyquan Thornton went two picks after Jaquan Brisker to the Patriots, and they traded up to get him. And he's a guy yeah. that was seen as like a fifth, sixth round pick on a lot of boards, mine included. But it's Man, the, the Patriots were speed. the Patriots went nuts this year. They grabbed Cole Strange in the first round, who yeah. a lot of people had in the third round, and then they went traded up for uh, you know Thornton. Thornton. Yeah, I just it's and that's the thing. That's the price of speed. So as much as we can say he Valus Jones is a five-year player, super senior, he's 25 and he should have been picked at 150. The thing is, is that if that's your guy, that's who you want. 
that you go get them at the third round at 71. And more importantly, when I'm talking about the quality of speed, I promise that guy is not there for you in the fifth. And you have no other picks until the fifth. You'd have yeah. to trade him to get him, forfeit more picks. And so at that point, if that's your guy, take him. Yeah. And I would yeah. have I mean, preferred to trade so, back so, too. Yeah, so. We don't we don't know if they were getting any offers. And uh I'll let you talk in just a second, Chris, but I want to touch on the Lynn Bowden. No, Jr. no, no, go ahead, mate. Go ahead, Bob. Please, please so, like so, wax poetically about Lynn. Please. <laughs> Lynn Bowden Jr. is an underrated prospect because he came to Kentucky. He had some off the field issues before he came here. And we honestly he matured as he was here at Kentucky. He did everything. You can go back and look at his high school tape. He played quarterback, wide receiver, punt return, kick return. And actually here at Kentucky in his final year, his his I'm building draft stock year, we had two quarterbacks go down. And they said, Lynn, can you play some quarterback for us? He said, absolutely, coach. So he's one of those guys that will go out and do whatever needs to be done. We ran a freaking option-style offense because we had to we didn't have a quarterback so lynn bowden extremely athletic and everything i said about velas and his uh his i think the comp's perfect because everything i said in his um the the uh when i brought up the thing talking about his attributes yeah yeah when i was talking about his attributes it, it sounded like it fit perfect as far as Returning kicks, returning punts. He can run the end around. He can catch balls. He can line up anywhere on your offense, all over the field. And and Chris, I'll be so quick so that you can get to no, no, no. Don't, don't worry about it, mate. Go ahead, mate. Go ahead, please. Aaron's being modest, chat. I mean, he's talking about yeah. He kind of had to come in and play a little bit of quarterback, and then proceeded to light the the college football game on fire with. He had like two hundred and some rushing yards in the game at quarterback, uh, up there with like the Tim Tebow's of the world and things of that nature as far as rushing prowess. Um, and then he, you know, quick, real quick, came into the league as a third-round pick with John Gruden in Vegas. They were imagining him in a joker role. It's very similar to what I imagine you're going to see with Bayless Jones, a guy that it's really just focused upon getting the ball in his hands in space and seeing if he can turn three into ten. I mean, a lot of people like Traylon Burks. This is literally what Traylon Burks was drafted to do. It's how they used mm-hmm. A.J. Brown in Tennessee. It's what Traylon Burks did at Arkansas this year, where he's not an incredibly refined route runner, but it's literally, hey, can you take a screen or a jet jet pass touch, a jet touch pass, excuse me, jet sweep, where I can just get the ball in your hands. And I just want you to create, turn it into something. And I, one last thing before I give it to Chris here. There were a lot of Bears fans, and I was thinking about this, that they loved Marcus Jones out of Houston, a slot mm-hmm. corner, 5'8", but, oh, man, he'd be a great value add in the third because even if he doesn't play right away because of his size and he needs refinement, he gives you immediate return value. Well, Valus Jones and Marcus Jones – that's fine. I guess I didn't realize they both have the same last name, but Valus Jones and Marcus Jones are – two of the best return values in the draft or none. There's literally not, not, I mean, I'd encourage anybody that wants to get, throw out a name of a better returner. I'd love to hear it, but those two guys provide some of the best return value in the draft. And so no, as KB was saying, I'm not sure that Valus Jones is going to be your number two right away. But if you, you, we talk about the starters on defense day one, well, Valus Jones can come in and I can guarantee you he's going to be an impactful player as not just a returner, 
but as a gunner on punts, the way that Cordero Patterson was. And then it's about three, four, five plays a game. Can I give you like a, a jet sweep and maybe you turn it into 12 yards? Maybe we have you run like a slot fade and we get Mooney on the fake screen. And then all of a sudden you're taking the top off with your four, three, one speed and you are throwing the deep ball to you. And one of the things about him that I loved and it's all over the tape and AC, you probably saw this when he played against uh, Kentucky because I think this is one of the games he tracks the ball exceptionally well over mm -hmm. the shoulder, particularly. And that's, that to me is important. You saw that with Darnell Mooney consistently this year where fields is dropping these moon balls over the top and you have to be able to look over your shoulder and track it and find it. Mm -hmm. And Mooney was able to do that. And I'm going to pick on Don Burr here a little bit. He did it in the Detroit game um, a couple times on those deep balls where a guy like even Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson's a great receiver. I, I will never forgive him for this. I believe it was the Bengals game where Justin Fields dropped a touchdown into the breadbasket. And even he, an, an all-pro receiver, was not able to track and secure that ball. And so, to me, when you're yeah. watching Bayless Jones, that that is, that shows up immediately. He's well, able like I said about the Tennessee offense, they run a lot of screens and a lot of go routes. They run – well, they – you know, they'll have post routes and stuff and go with a go. They'll always every play they have a go route, even on their screens. They got somebody going deep because that's what they want to do in their offense is 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 go deep. If they can score a touchdown on every single play, they'll do it. And it's just deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. Now, that hurt them defensively because their defense was on the field 90 percent of the game but they were putting up points and bunches on their offense. If you go back and look at Tennessee offense, it's very fun to watch. Even as a Kentucky fan, I can admit that. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, it's – I think All-pack player, all-SEC player. He played five years in college, was an all-pack player at SC. I'm, and I tell you, I'm not an SC fan, but he went to SC when Steve Sarkeesian recruited him. USC has been in turmoil, and we'll see what happens with them hiring uh, – I think you know, they're about to blow up. Yeah, with you know, we'll see. But th the reality is, he came under Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian had the whole blowout where he was fired or released, and it was a mess. And then he transfers, and still was produced as an all-pack player. Transfers over to the SEC, the best competition, and in one year has his best year receiving, as well as returning all SEC honors. Just, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the hate for it. I'm going to shut up because Chris, I've been telling you for minutes here. Have the floor. Wow, I don't know what to say anymore now. You, you nearly said it all, Jordan. <laughs> You've left us with a scratch for that one. I'm only joking, bro. Uh, I mean, I was like a little bit sort of mystified at first with a pick because, you know, I think because I were quite sort of, um, you know, sort of focusing on Pierce and, and Pickens, you know, because I thought, well, you know, the new the new offensive coordinator we've got, you know, he's going to be after a certain type of receiver, body type, and you know, like a tall guy. But the more I've heard about the guy, and the more I've sort of watched him play like a little clips, he's a playmaker. It's like we always say, the NFL these days is all about speed. So if you can get him into a bit of space, get that ball into his hand, and just let the kid fly off, then I'm quite up for it, mate. I think, uh, I think, uh, I mean, do you think he's going to be a starting receiver? Or do you think they'll start him off on the special teams as a returner? I I think it's what you're saying. So he'll start as a special teams returner. And I, yeah. I'm going to be picking up people in the chat. But like I, I see Leo here saying, Valus Jones still can't run routes. We took a special teams player in the third. I think that's that takes get, get clearing. Yeah, well, I think that takes nuance because, yes, he will be a day one player on special teams. 
Yeah. But I got some news for you. This is why I really, I, I promise I'm tying this in nicely. If you're going to complain about Velas Jones being taken to the third round as a special teams player because he can't run routes, then you really should be getting on Tennessee for drafting Traylon Burks, a guy that does not run routes well. He literally works out of the slot in a role of just get him the ball in space and see what he does. He didn't play outside on the perimeter very much. He has decent speed, but isn't a refined route runner. And so the reality is, is that if you're looking at it and saying he's just a special teams player, I think that's the incorrect way to look at it. Mm. What I think Mm. is he's a returner and a gunner and he's a utility player on day one. And what this is the important part and why I was tying it into Tennessee and AC probably knows this well being in that region. When they brought A.J. Brown in, and I'm not telling you that Bayless Jones is the same player, A.J. Brown had to have a very specific role carved out his rookie year where it was like, hey, we're going to run some screens with you. We're going to run some slants. They call it kind of like a, a button hook route where they'd run him over a curl in the middle and then he'd just take off down the middle. So there are ways that you scheme the player. And while I don't think that, and this goes to Leo's point, that he's not a route runner. No, I don't think he's going to be your X or Z receiver running the whole entire route tree. But it's not about that. It's we are scheming five to ten touches for you a game where we are hoping that you explode with your 4-3 speed and turn chicken shit into chicken salad, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> I like that. And, and also, well, I mean, just I mean, to, sure. I was going to say, we're going to still talk about it. If you're going to still talk about it, go ahead. Because I, what I was going to say, man, just to, just to put a bow on the situation. Sorry, the only thing I was going to say about it is surely he, he could, surely he can be coached up regarding his route running. Surely that is something what the coaches can you know get onto him and make sure he improves with that. So I think sometimes when uh, guys get drafted, you know, they're not at the level where they could be. They're still, you know, they still could be if the coach's the right way, they're always going to improve. So that's how I look at it, really. But sorry, KB, go ahead, mate. I was just going to say, just to put a, a wrap on the, the Valence Jones talk, I think one of, the, one of the biggest things is, which, which was rumored, uh, that it came out that Justin Fields and, uh, and Poles had discussions about wide receivers. And Valus was one of the receivers that that Justin pointed out and said, "I would love to play right. with this kid." Mm-hmm. So, all right, I didn't know that. I was gonna say, uh, we we can all be mad about him not being the Pierce's Pickens or whoever star wide receiver you want to add into whatever box. The fact of the matter is, Justin Fields said, "I I, I could play with this kid." And I believe that's one of the, one of the major reasons why he was picked. I feel like his returnability was another reason, and that the yeah. kid is going to get touches. And I seen in the chat, I seen people saying, "Well, I'm not worried about Tennessee." I, I think what Jordan was saying was, if if Valus isn't, if, if we're looking at Valus in this light, but we would have took Traylon Burks, it would have been the same type of situation. But the only difference would have been Traylon doesn't play fucking special teams at all. Yeah. He is a slot receiver with a big body that people are saying, oh, he might be able to play outside when he did not play outside in college. He played from the slot. Hmm. So we took, a, we took a player in the third round when the Titans traded their best receiver <laughs> and picked Traylon Burks to replace him when he's not ready for that role yet. Hmm. So that's that's what Jordan is saying. Because I, I, I'm looking through uh-huh. chat. I'm just saying, oh, well, I'm not worried about the, the Titans and blah, blah. 
No, it's it's we're we're comparing a wide receiver who's thought to be one of the top five to a receiver that people are saying, oh, he's he should be picked in the, the hundreds. Yeah. They're they're I mean one person has a bigger body, but they're pretty much the same damn thing. And same role. Beautifully said. Yeah. Beautifully said. And just a couple more things before we move on, because uh I, I just want to say it one more time because I'm still seeing everybody in the chat that this guy cannot run routes. He spent years at USC in a pro-style offense. Do not be surprised if this man comes into camp and has a better grasp of the route tree than we expect because he spent one year at Tennessee and went off. And he blew up the uh, the senior ball, too. The, the, right. That's another thing, too. Yeah. Can I, and, can I uh, add just one final touch here? Because I, I promise it's just one thing I, I have to get off my chest. The Bears hired Tyke Tolbert as their wide receivers coach. Tyke Tolbert is one of the most respected wide receivers coaches in the league. I'm not telling you he's turning water to one. We have to wait and see. But the guy has a reputation as a respected positional coach for wide receivers. If we're just kind of putting a bet down, again, nobody's going to know until we see it. I'm going to tend to take the reputation and say, I'll bet on that guy to be able to develop receiver talent. And you can look at his time in New York, and I believe he was in Baltimore and other places, and see some of the receivers and the way that they've developed and grown over their years. And I think we're also dismissing the fact that Tyke Tolbert can come in and cover up and help develop some of those warts that Valus Jones may have as a route runner. And I agree with you, AC. USC did run a pro-style offense. You don't just get to run from the slot screens and jet jet sweeps and things like that. But even if he does have some issues, give some faith to the positional coaches that yeah. you have mini camp starting in a week, and we've got a long way to go to say, let's get you schooled up and developed as you continue to grow into this role. Yeah. And they said they said in the draft room, the uh, special teams coach and Luke Getze both were jumping for joy with this draft pick. So it's somebody that they wanted, it's somebody that Justin wanted. I'm assuming the wide receiver coach signed off on it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have drafted the guy. So let's give the guy mm-hmm. a chance. Uh, but we're going to move on here in the <laughs> in the essence of time because we are an hour in and we've gotten to the third round. <laughs> <laughs> So goddamn uh, polls messing up all our stuff, man. We 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 could have been is. on here for two hours with six picks, goddamn it. Now we gotta get yeah. to eleven. <laughs> yeah. So uh You're right. Pick 168. I believe this would be the fifth round pick. Uh Braxton Jones. Uh, it just says offensive line, but I'm pretty sure they had him listed as offensive tackle. Six yeah. five, three hundred and ten pounds. CBS Sports gives us an A on this. And uh, according to Chris Trapasso, it says major sleeper offensive tackle has legitimate Pro Bowl offensive tackle traits. A mean streak as a blocker pops on film too. Feet are outstanding. Does does need to get a touch stronger. Dominated at small school level. Love this with Justin Fields in mind. You want to start us off there, Jordan? Because I, yes. I didn't know much about this guy when we drafted him. Yes, sir. Uh, and, I mean, so uh, one thing to keep in mind with, and this is every single draft pick from Gordon to Brisker, all of them, literally every single one, 
if there's one thing that you can see a consistent theme with in Ryan Poles' draft picks, he likes athletes. Uh, they they are traits guys, log arms, big, fast, good relative athletic scores. So with Braxton Jones, he's a guy that, funny enough, and we're going to talk about Zachary Thomas here, and you'll see the yin and the yang that I'm going to compare. But um, And I'm not telling you that he can't beat Larry Borum, that he may not be better than Larry Borum. But he's somewhat of a projection at this point, and that's not a bad thing. But he's got orangutan arms. He's very big. He moves exceptionally well for how big he is. Now, it's not some Daniel Falele thing where he's, you know, 6'7 and 400 pounds, but 6'5, 310 is able to get to the second level and make an mm. impact. The thing with him, and this is where, again, you're hoping the offensive line coach, Chris Morgan, refines it, is I see a lot more of Larry Borum than, let's say, I see a Tevin Jenkins. And what that is, is that's a guy that is light on his feet is incredibly good at mirroring mirroring edge rushers, but isn't a guy that's generating a lot of displacement off the line. He's not what I would call like a people mover, but he is what I would also say is very advantageous seeking. When he sees a guy that he can get leverage on and ear hold him, he's there every single time ready to get a pancake there. But you're projecting what he can be with his technique and pass pro he often gets high, uh, which isn't the end of the world. You can get your pad levels lower. But uh, that was a little bit of a concern for me in scouting him is mm. he's 6'5", which is not short. But 6'5 is relative tackle size. And for him to have his leverage to the point where he struggles because he's standing straight up, that even when he's punching or striking defenders, he's often hitting them in the shoulder pads and things like that, where when you really want to get into a guy's chest, you're getting them under their chest plates and then your grip strength takes over. Yeah. And as long as you're keeping your hands inside, you're not getting called for a hold. And so I think if you can tighten that stuff up, this is what the scouting report was saying. And it's, it, I concur with it. The traits and the athlete and the measurables, the stuff you can't teach can be all world level. If you can raise his floor up with technique and good coaching and refinement. No, I agree. I agree with that assessment. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the tape I saw him, Jordan, I did notice that his hands were quite outside when he was going for the punch. Um, so, no, I agree with that assessment totally. I, th I think he's going to be a really good player in the future. And I think uh, he just adds a bit more competition to the O-line as well, what we need. Yeah, I was going to say, man, the only thing I know about him, man, the only thing I can comment on because, like, I didn't, I didn't do my research in the line, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not that guy. I'm not him. Uh, <laughs> but what I can say is everything I've seen since we drafted the kid is a lot of people have him earmarked at left tackle already. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying a lot of people are saying right now that he's starting today. What I'm saying is people are saying, hey, this dude is going to be a fixture on left tackle for you guys. So just hearing what I heard about him, I immediately went to the better version of Charles Leno so to speak. We we draft this kid who played left tackle and we're going to put him at left tackle where he plays. And hopefully he can come in and he can play that position for years and years to come. Hopefully he's had a way better, a better, better, you know what I'm saying? Click than what Leno did. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to take shots at nobody. I, I'm not that guy. What I'm going to say is if he's a better left tackle than he is a right tackle, he comes in, he has the size, he has the speed. 
you put him there, and if he does his job, then you have a starter for the next 10 years. KB, I got to say something. You, you're not giving yourself enough credit here. You said you don't scout offensive linemen, but to me, that's exactly the right way to put it. The thing with Larry Borum, and I, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Oh, you know, the Birdman situation where he said, put some respect on my name. I need people to put respect on Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins' name. Uh, yeah. These guys came from, I mean, this, with Braxton Jones, I and he went to Southern Utah. That's not a knock, but it's not the SEC where Larry Borum was playing. Larry Borum was at Missouri playing against the best competition. And this isn't to say that you picked a guy worse than Larry Borum. This goes back to the whole idea of let's not just all of a sudden say a guy is better than somebody or put these unrealistic expectations. The thing with Larry Borum, and a lot of people say, let's just kick Larry Borum to guard. Larry Borum, to me, when he was drafted, I was like, oh, that's weird. Why would you cut Charles Leno? You, I guess because you kind of got Charles Leno. Larry yeah. Borum is a guy that mirrors well. He's a big dude, but except, exceptionally quick feet. But doesn't he's not an ass kicker. He doesn't generate a lot of movement off the line and push guys and just start pancaking dudes. That's not his game. He's not some nasty glass eater type of offensive lineman. And so when I saw Larry Borum, I was like, oh, okay. So you just kind of got Charles Leno, a guy that's better in pass protection than the run game, won't get your quarterback killed, works decently well, mirrors okay, not super toolsy. Well, that's what Braxton Jones is, and that's not a problem. If I, Again, I think – again, we're talking about fifth-round picks. Like We'd love everybody to be an all-star run blocker, all-star pass blocker. He's 6'7", 3'10", got the longest arms. He's benching 600 pounds, but – it's a fifth round prospect. Yeah. Take those guys yeah. you develop and hope that they turn into something. And he does have what 34 inch arms though. Oh, they're huge. So, yeah. Every it's all it's every all about pick. the abs and it jutted. Yeah. Yeah. Ask Greg Gabriel. It's all about the arm line. Yeah. All Everybody about the abs. The I, I was gonna say we're gonna get into analytics and I'm sure that's what's gonna come up in the next couple talk uh, people we talk about. Everybody we picked, if you go off the RAS score, I don't think we had anybody under eight. Under nine. Under, it, was under, under nine. it was nobody under nine. Everybody, he picked athletic freaks and said, we're going to teach these kids how to play fundamental football. Well, he, he, he said as much in his press conference. He said, you know, a big thing about putting this – coaching staff together is we wanted teachers i can't remember if he said that or if matt he said, said that. he said they to be honest they both echoed the, the same sentiment because i remember uh Eberflus is his first press conference he said we want teachers in the building and yeah. then uh just recently Paul said the same thing we, we have teachers we we want these teachers to teach these players because right. that this defense alignment that i'm sure jordan got a lot of info on bro <laughs> freak you hear me yeah. Number they said if his numbers came out this period out of everybody, I think they said he ranked number two over so many years wow. just off his numbers. Are we talking so, about Dominic Robinson? Oh, you don't even want to get me started. Like right, that's what I said. I'm gonna go ahead and give you, you two more that one. I mean, <laughs> if y'all want to go ahead and start talking about, hey, about let's, let's, Dom, we'll, we'll go ahead okay, and I'll bring up it. his little let's, scouting report and let me talk for 30 seconds, and I'll just let y'all go <laughs> <out>. off. <laughs> and this goes for Chris, AC, Ryan. I know I can talk forever. Tell me to shut the hell up if I'm talking. <laughs> please. please. So, well, that's uh, three times, Joe. <laughs> our next pick is, was pick 174. We, uh, um, I believe that's fifth round as well. Um, 
according to Chris Trapasso. I hope I'm saying his name correctly because I I can't tell if I am or not. So he's a long, angular, super explosive, somewhat raw rusher with major upside. Has to get much stronger and utilize his hands more frequently. But the outside speed rush and bend is borderline special already. This draft pick got an A minus according to CBS Sports app. He's 6'5, 253 out of Miami of Ohio. Dominique Robinson. Okay. So I'm going to go a little deeper than most fans probably want to hear this, but this is important. Get it. So the thing with Dominique Robinson, and this is just so we're clear, this is my second favorite pick of the draft, and that's over Kyler Gordon even. Dominique Robinson is an incredibly bendy athletic edge. I'm not telling you he's Robert Quinn, but he's of that mold. So I'll even bring up some more respected names. From One, like, one second before yes. you continue. Uh, his comp was, um, I believe, Whitney Merciless, who's a guy that a lot of Bears fans wanted in that draft. So I, I don't know how it compares, but that's that's the name I've seen thrown around as far as who he compares it's to. Is an incredibly productive career. Um, that's not yeah. a bad comp. So the thing with him is that, you have more respected names or names that would be more familiar. George Karloftis. We can even go to guys like Darnell Dockett. The whole point is I'm trying to show you is you have certain edge rushers that are power rushers. They don't show a ton of bend off the edge. Uh, They're not one that kind of creates a C around the pocket as they're pulling ghost moves and things like that out against offensive tackles. With Dominique Robinson, the thing that I really want to focus on is that he used to be a wide receiver. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with being a D end? When you're on the offensive and defensive line, the one position that emulates that, that battle between offensive and defensive linemen is the wide receiver versus the DB. The wide receiver has to come up with a plan every single snap on how he's going to have a release, what hand usage he's going to use to break any potential press, and to get past his man. And then you ask a guy to go over to the defensive side And all of a sudden, he's doing the same thing. He's going forward while the other guy is going backward. He's planning his release, how he's going to use his hands to get around the offensive guy. And then you add that athleticism of a wide receiver and the bend, and you start watching him. And this is a – I mean, AC, we talked about like a Perry and Winfrey last time. That I said my issue with Perry and Winfrey is I didn't see a planned rush – If a guy gets his hands on him, it just kind of stops and he gets stuck on the block. At least I can see Dominique Robinson trying to use different tools, even if they're not refined yet. It's like, well, I tried a screwdriver here and that didn't work. So I'm going to pull out a hammer and I'm trying different moves to try and get around a guy. And with that athleticism, you see him beat legitimate competition like just spank him on the rear end as he's getting to the quarterback for a sack. Like one of my favorite reps is he went against second round pick, a guy I'm incredibly high on, Luke Gadecki out of Central Michigan. And he got around the edge on Luke Gadecki, and that's not something easy to do. He's an incredibly good offensive lineman. And you see these flashes. So that's why it was my second favorite pick is this is a perfect example of a guy that if you can harness and develop the right way, you get one of those freakish athletic edges that everybody wants. While I get Aiden Hutchinson went number two, That's and I'm not against it. He's a great player. What a lot of people's knocks were is that he's, he's fine, but he's not like 
that freak off the edge that's like Vaughn Miller where he's bending and he's he's Gumby like Robert Quinn. Well, I'm not telling you that Dominic Robinson's that guy yet, but you can see that some of that on tape. It's a matter of can we make it more consistent? Can we see it more mm-hmm. often? Would you say, Jordan, or do you see him as a week one starter? Or do you think he's a bit more no. of, a, of, a, of a development guy? Yeah, no, I don't see him as a starter. And, I, and the good news is right. they've invested pretty heavily in defensive line with Al-Kadeen yeah. Muhammad and you have Charles Snowden and other guys like that. The, the thing with Dominic Robinson is I look at him as a DPR that's a designated pass rusher. You put right. him in on like your NASCAR package where it's third down and 12 and you know just get after the quarterback. Hey, Dominic, just go in there and do whatever you can to try to get to the quarterback where you're not asking him to play run support, do any of those things. And so very similar to the Valus Jones, if you can carve out a role for him as a designated guy just to rush the passer, I can see him making somewhat of an impact on the field in his first year. But as far yeah. as, again, technique and all that and hand usage and everything else, he's I think he's been playing D-line for like a year or two. And so yeah. that's that's the beauty, though, is to see those flashes in a year or two, it's like, wow, what could he be? But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's also been a year or two. So give the kids some time to develop before mm-hmm. he can be a starter, you know, week one. Do you, th- you think there's any shot we could sneak him onto the practice squad if we have to? That's, I wouldn't. I, mean, I wouldn't do it. Pick, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Well, <laughs> I mean, if he's only been playing the position for a couple of years, I'm thinking he's got to he's got to he's got to build himself up more. Right? Well, so here's the thing: I totally agree. I, I'm with Ryan. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do it. But I'm also <clears throat> the guy that said there's no way in hell that you put Charles Snowden on the practice squad yeah. and somebody doesn't steal him. And Charles Snowden sat on the practice squad all year. And he's another one of those guys that's like freaky athleticism, good size, could be, be, be a really intriguing edge. Mm-hmm. And nobody came to pry him out from the Bears. So, sure, again, I wouldn't probably trust it, but you could do it. And it's already been shown that some of these guys sometimes just fly in the practice squad. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, this dude legit came on, had his press conference, and told people, you know what, man, I, I was I was playing on offense and I really wasn't getting the type of production I wanted. And, I just came to the coach and said, hey, man, I watched some defensive film and felt I can do it. And then he went over and started doing it. I Look, you put you let this man focus his attention on one thing, and if he gets the laser focus to say, I'm just going to be the best defensive end I can be, I don't know, man. Sky's the limit. That's, that's all I can say to that because, mm-hmm. Jesus, I was just like, man, who is he? And I was watching yeah, yeah. his game. He was like, this kid is fast as hell. And it was like, oh, yeah, he played quarterback in high school. Oh, oh, then he said, you know what? I'm going to try wide receiver. What? So, time out. He had a he had a come to Jesus moment where he yeah. told himself, I'm not going to play wide receiver anymore. I'll just play defensive end. I don't know how the hell you go from wide receiver to defensive end. I don't. But- <laughs> I just told you how because it's the same idea. And that's the thing. Same ideas. He was a quarterback in, in high school, got recruited. Only Only offer was to Miami of Ohio as a quarterback. Couldn't play, so he's like, "Well, how do I just want to get some play time? Put me on the field." All right, well, mm-hmm. you're not going to be a quarterback for us. All right, so go be a wide receiver. Wasn't getting the play time at wide receiver. Had a friend that was a defensive lineman. Friend told him, "I think you could be defensive lineman." And again, it's 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 not a one to one comparison, but it's the same idea, snap to snap. You're fighting a guy, mm-hmm. having to use your hands, working on a release, trying to beat the man across from you in a way mm-hmm. that isn't parallel in some situations. The running back's not doing that on every. Uh, neither is the, the quarterback, neither is the linebacker. So 
you know, it's a situation where it's somewhat of a natural conversion, but it's what Ryan's saying. What happens when that guy gets more time under his belt and isn't even worried so much about playing time because the expectation isn't, I'm trying to play because otherwise I don't get to the NFL. I don't get a chance. And now it's, hey, young blood, just come in here, learn from the vets, work on your craft, develop, and we'll get you on the roll in some some specific area as a designated pass rusher. And we'll see what this becomes. But for now, just develop. There's no rush. You got a rookie contract. We're not yeah. fighting for your roster spot. Just come in and, and work hard. So he, he played well, he, for Miami of Ohio. Did he ever play a competition like Ohio State or, you know, some of those uh, smaller schools will play – I don't you know, think some of the he, big programs like that. I don't think he did. None of the tape that I watched is coming to mind of those bigger programs. I think he played like, uh, so I know he played Central Michigan. He may have played like a Toledo, um, mm. teams like that. But no, they weren't playing Michigan or Notre Dame or anything like that, at least not to my recollection. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. No, I would, I would just going to ask Jordan, do you, is he a guy that needs to put on a lot of muscle? Seem like he's transferred from from being a wide receiver. Because I have this morning, I did watch some footage of him from the uh, draft on Tap Show, and he is like quite lean. So, I mean, do you think he need to put sort of like 10, 10 pounds on a muscle or something like that for the NFL? I mean, sure. I think everybody can do that. That was the big knock yeah. on like Charles Snowden is that he needed to add weight. But you also aren't trying to change a guy's DNA. No, I no, mean, no. Nobody looks at nobody looks at Robert Quinn and is like, man, that's a physically imposing guy. The way that they look at like Khalil Mack, it's mm. it's body types. That's why I say like yeah. a guy like George Karloftis who went in the first round or Aiden Hutchinson, those dudes are built like tanks, and they make it work. There's nothing wrong with those players, but they mm. win in a different fashion. Where you have yeah. these guys like a Whitney Merciless, a Robert Quinn, a Vaughn Miller, where they are winning by bend, by speed, by edge. That was what Kayvon yeah. Thibodeau did well. Kayvon Thibodeau is not some guy that's like getting into your chest and flat backing you on the way to the quarterback. He's a guy that was getting around the edge and bending in that C pattern to get around and get strip sacks and things of that sort. And again, this is not me putting these all-star names and saying that's who Dominique Robinson can become, but that's the archetype that he possesses. And so sure he can add 10 pounds yeah. of muscle, but you don't want to strip that speed, that bendy edge, no, that, no, no. that ball of, of, of force that he is right now. Yeah. And oh, kill, one of the, kill. one of the big things about our, roster is that we've still got a Robert Quinn who's been doing this a long time. So he, if he could take Robinson under his wing and be like, this, this is how we do it, brother. Then uh, I can honestly, I mean, all it can do is pay dividends in the future. So we'll move on to our next pick here. It is Zachary Thomas, offensive lineman from San Diego state. I believe he was a center. It's a six, five, three Oh eight athletic road grader with NFL offensive tackle length who doesn't utilize who doesn't utilize it the way he needs to leans into almost every block which makes him very susceptible to pass rush moves smart angles in the run game and above average power adding late round offensive lines is rarely a bad idea uh so maybe more of a guard I'm not sure so this is – after those two top two guys, I don't know if I'm ready to say this is like my third favorite. But I want to – I'm going to string a nice story here between the offensive linemen that were picked. Mm -hmm. So with Braxton Jones, I was telling you he's more like Larry Borum, pass pro, mirror as well, doesn't really get guys off the line. 
So that's fine. That's that one archetype as we're talking about archetypes and what you're getting in players. Zachary Thomas is the complete yin and yang to that. He has, and this is yeah. somewhat of a bad thing. I, I wasn't, didn't think it was a reach. I, I'll tell you what, I thought it was higher than he'd go, but I understood why you'd pick him there because of what I'm about to say. So he has absolutely no pass pro game whatsoever. Like, I want to be very clear about that. You need to like rebuild him from the ground up. There's, you put him on an, on an island and he's going to get his ass killed by edges in, in the league, I promise. But he can play tackle. He has this a damn near identical size as Braxton Jones. But that's not where I think he's going to play. But the whole idea is you get versatility in your offensive lineman. It's a beautiful thing if you can draft guys that he's a guard, but, you know, Tevin Jenkins went down. Could we maybe, like, push Zach Tom, Zachary Thomas out to tackle for to finish the game? He can do that. But where he – I certainly think – and Mule Skinner's spot on here. When I watched Zachary Thomas, I saw Alex Bars. And what that is is that's a guy that ideally you slide into guard. I think Zachary Thomas, assuming we don't – sign a Trey Turner or anything like that will be your starting day one guard. And the reason for that is while I told you his pass game is awful and needs to be rebuilt and everybody, I saw KB like, Oh my God, what did we just draft? His run game is like elite. And I'm not, Mm. again, always these are fifth round picks elite in the sense of what he's shown on tape and traits. And if you can refine that as well as building the pass pro, he becomes a nasty finisher, a mauler at right guard in day one, and then picks up the chops to be a legitimate pass blocker that can slide out to tackle if you need be or be a solid pass protector and guard. The beautiful thing is that when you're a guard, pass protection is important. I'm not saying it's not. But you're inside. You have more help. You can mm-hmm. rely on the center to kind of help pick it up or a back coming up the middle um, to shield that off to protect Justin. But as a right guard tomorrow, his run protection, his run blocking is just unreal. The guy is a people mover. He's an asker. He gets people off the line of scrimmage and then looks to bury them and finish them. And the last thing I'll add is uh, people that aren't familiar is uh, – I'm taking Zachary Thomas because that's the guy we're talking about. Cameron Thomas, he went in the third round. I actually thought he'd be a second-round pick. Cameron, the brothers, uh, Cameron right? Thomas, they're brothers. What Both went to San Diego State down here in Southern California. Um he went in the third round as a defensive end. Uh, but, you know, you have Zachary Thomas here. So we're talking about NFL pedigree. You're talking about a guy they probably went against each other's kids all the way up to college practices. He has all the traits. This is that athletic profile we're talking about. Just needs a lot of refinement. Particularly for me, it's in the past game. You need to rebuild him. But as far mm-hmm. as the run game, it's phenomenal. Uh, I just want to defend myself on this because uh, when, you, when, you, when you was talking about him, I, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying my man or talking about what do we pick. This is like, damn, he can't block at all doing passing, huh? I, 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 I hate to say, like, it's a little scary. Like, so, like, this is not a – It's he's not Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith, I love Tyler Smith. Uh-huh. But t- Tyler Smith had a lot of the same issues. He's okay. an ass kicker. He's nasty. He moves mm-hmm. people. But the dude was like, you know, 70 Sam shooting from the hips in pass yeah. pro. The hands were low. And – he wasn't particularly refined as a pass rusher. And again, it's much more talent and maybe a little more advanced than where he's at right now. But that guy's a I mean, first round pick. And you're yeah. getting you're getting Zachary Thomas in the fifth round. Yeah. At the at the very least, you could throw him in 
goal line situations and he can move some bodies around and let uh, David Montgomery get into the end zone. So, and we got a fullback now, so let's, let's power up the middle. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So that's part, part one is your mirroring pass protector tackle. Part two is Zachary Thomas with your run blocker can play guard and tackle needs work in the pass pro. And then once Mm -hmm. we get to Doug Kramer, I'm going to finish out the story about what Doug Kramer is to that situation. Yeah, well, I was hoping that uh, – and it looked like it was going to happen for a while there. Darian Kennard was falling and falling and falling, and he just oh. went off, I think, two picks before us. You know, you guys know I'm a Kentucky guy. I love my Wildcats. Uh, I was hoping he fell in our lap and we could plug and play him at right guard, but it didn't happen. The Chiefs took him, and I think they got a steal. I mean, Darian Kennard already is just a big, mean, nasty dude and they get him with a chip on his shoulder, <laughs> man, forget about it. I, I think I think the Chiefs got a steal there. Um, I do too. And, it's a real uh, bummer. I was hoping they – again, you don't have a lot to trade up, but that's one of those – I will admit, and I, I've been a little critical, and I'm being positive here because I don't want to bring any negativity about the draft, and I have questions about the process and things like that. But that is one of those where let me give you a real honest representation. And again, you may not have been able to get KC to move off the pick. Kansas City may have been like, we're not moving regardless. We want Kennard. But if you're going to trade your 23 sixth-round pick that you got from San Diego or L.A. back to L.A. for two-sevenths, I would have seen, hey, man, can I can I give you that sixth-round pick next year to come up two spots? And I don't know. Maybe I'll even swap picks with you. Like, I don't want just your pick. You move back two spots. I give you a sixth from next year to make sure you get Darian Kennard, your starting right guard who can play some tackle in a pinch tomorrow. That, to right. me, is the perfect scenario. But, again, you never know. He may have called Kansas City. And they're like, I'm not moving. You kidding yeah. me? Kennard's yeah. here. So it's tough. That's why I said the the, the way the, the, the pieces of the plate kind of broke down, it, there was a lot of bad luck. Like, <laughs> this guy went a pick or two earlier. This happened here. It's like well, it's the just- Ra- the Ravens were sitting there all draft long and had people. I think the Texans jumped them like twice for Alabama guys. I think yeah. for Mechie and uh, another Alabama guy. I think the linebacker maybe. And <laughs> they even talked about it on the broadcast. They were like, you know, uh, the Ravens love their Alabama guys, and they just got jumped twice. And before we move on, because Don Burr brought it up earlier about Josh Paschal and 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 going to oh, Detroit. I love Josh Paschal. You talk about overcoming adversity. This man had cancer in his foot and had to have surgery and overcame that to play. If you want to watch a great game from him, go watch the tape against Florida. This man did everything for us against Florida, and this was when Florida was ranked in the top ten. So they came into Kroger Field here in Lexington. They were the, you know, the Florida. You know, we're top ten. We're gonna, They had just come off a close game with, I think, Alabama or Georgia. No, they played Georgia later. So a close game against Alabama, and Josh Pascal just took over. He was demolishing their offensive line, even blocked a field goal that we returned for a touchdown. So that's an exciting – I'm not always nice to Doug Burr, but i got to be a little bit honest here with Bears fans that want to talk crap to Don Burr. Don, I'm not always kind to you, but I have to give you some real honest credit as a fan of a, a franchise that we need to wait and see. They always may pick up talent, but they never seem to turn it into wins. So let's wait and see what happens. But if you're a Bears fan, even a Packers fan, but particularly where there's a Bears podcast, I'm hoping these offensive linemen turn out well. But the one thing I know for certain is that the wars this year with Detroit are scary. 
Yeah. And I'm I'm not kidding. So when you look at Detroit's line, it's Aiden Hutchinson and it's the Aquara brothers on the edge. And now you add Pascal, and he can play kind of inside outside. Mm-hmm. And then you have Aleem McNeil and Levi Awonzarike. That is like New York Giants ball and era uh, where they had lines of dudes, where it's Matthias Kiwanuka, My- Michael Strahan, OCU Minora. They had different D tackles coming in. It's a little scary when you think about what Detroit is building on the front lines. And then, of course, everybody knows their offensive line is full of young, young, awesome talent. So uh, I want to give a kudos to you, Don Burr. And certainly I will not lie to you. If we were playing Detroit tomorrow, I'd be rather scared about what happens to Justin because that defensive line is nasty. Yeah. 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 The lines are definitely building. Um, yeah, they're still not going to win shit though, because the Detroit Lions are. But let's be honest, yeah, they never seem to win. Like, <laughs> it's nineteen fifty-eight since the last one of championships. So I mean, I love Don and I love chatting to him, and I hope all the best of Detroit. But you aren't going to win. You aren't going to win, mate. So uh, just keep typing away, Donny boy. <laughs> so we'll get back into these picks now see if i can remember where i left off we just did zachary thomas i think i've got all these correctly in a row i tried to look at them before we got yeah, I, was say, I think the running back was next yeah Pick 203 tristan tristan ebner out of baylor 511 206 uh Trapasso says complete back with serious returning capabilities thick lower half and he sinks and cuts laterally to make defenders miss. Uh, doesn't come into the NFL with much mileage. Deceptive speed to you, uh, to useful in receiving game. He gets an A minus on this pick, and I'd like to speak before anyone else does on this Please. because uh, if we're going to run this offense that they run in San Francisco, and you see their type of one cut backs that they're able to do amazing things with. I feel like this is a good fit, and and he's not going to be forced onto the field right away because we already have, you know, Montgomery and Herbert entrenched as one-two. He might fight Herbert for that second spot. He gives you versatility in the pass game and in the run game. As I just said there, doesn't have a ton of mileage on him. So, um, you know, that, uh, that that's a big thing in the running back world. When, when guys come from Alabama or Georgia's, you know, they come in with – a whole lot of hits on them. You know, they're in a car crash every play. And, uh, and, and obviously this guy, I guess was the depth piece at Baylor. And if he comes from Baylor, you know, he's got speed. Uh, those dudes down in Waco, they just, they're just all fast. They, every single one of them, they got a track team down there. <laughs> KB knows his cousin went down there. So fact. <laughs> I, I laugh because Aaron, you're like still the words I'm about with He's good. I need to stop talking anyways. But um, <laughs> the thing with Ebner, and I got to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of the pick only because it feels, like, it, it feels like it feels like don't we have enough running backs? But I will tell you, this is why it's good to sit on it and stew and think. I've come around a little bit more positively to why we took a running back. So one, if you know anything about what is – and it's a whole another topic. I won't do it too deep into it, but if anybody says they know what Luke gets, he's running. That's not fair. I don't think anybody knows what he's running, but yeah. it's reported to believe that it's the San Francisco offense. If you know anything about the San Francisco offense, this is like status quo for them. And you better get used to it where they take a running back or two every single draft. Yeah, they did it right. actually even this year. You know, they have Elijah Mitchell. They grabbed in the sixth round last year. Trey Sermon in the third last Trey year. Sermon, you got, uh, 
oh, who did they draft this year? I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, I really like that fit. Uh, I don't I don't really remember. I'd have to look that up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you grab so, late-round running backs, and if they fit, hell yeah. And that's the thing is sometimes they turn into Terrell Davis. Sometimes they don't do anything. But, like, they picked up mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell last year, and he became a starting running back over their third-round pick out of Ohio State. So this is very common to see them, uh, this scheme, just pick up a running back and see – can we magically hit on a guy late? Now that's not a good enough reason to pick them, but where I felt more positive about it, and this is where I was saying you're taking the words right out of my mouth, Aaron, is Baylor is just a track star team. Like everybody's got speed. They're going to blow by you. And so that's already a trait. And when you're looking at picking players late, you want versatility. If he can play special teams, he's fast. He can be a returner. And then you're like, okay, but Jordan, what do we need a running back for? Yeah, I'm not telling you he's Tariq Cohen. But he's that same type of jitterbug, scat-back guy where I can throw him a screen pass out of the backfield. I can work him in the receiving game a little bit. And he's fast enough to produce chunky yardage. Now, who knows? That's, again, what it can be. We'll see if he gets there. But I understood being upset at the moment at the pick. But when you come back and you look at it, why it makes sense, it's hard to be mad at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just looked up the running back that the 49ers grabbed. Yeah, it's uh, Tyrion Davis-Price out of LSU. Uh, we played LSU up here in Kentucky last year, and Price was the only – I mean, Coach O was on the hot seat. They they knew they were letting him go, and Price was the only one on the team that was like, I'm going to put this team on my back. We're going to play really well. I mean, they still lost, but he was the only one that showed up for them. So that's another solid pick for the 49ers. I, if I if I wasn't a Bears fan, honestly, I would probably be a 49ers fan because I love Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. I love the offense he runs. I like the way the organization's <laughs> ran over there. And if there's anyone that you can mimic, I, I feel like that's a good organization to mimic. And Bears fans might not like to hear that after they dominated the 80s, but uh, that's the way I feel about it. I was gonna say I I in and just just in the the spirit of this pick, uh, you know I I kind of felt the same way. Seeing seeing us pick a running back, it, it is kind of one of those things like, all right, man, look, <laughs> if if there was ever a spot to pick a wide receiver, right, right. <laughs> just to, just to shut the fan base up, if there was ever a spot, yeah, because I I don't know if Isaiah Weston might have been on the board. I, I believe that's the the kid he that was. played. If it, wasn't he the one that played in the same division as uh, Watson? Christian yeah. Watson, and he put up almost better numbers than Watson with with lo- with less production. Like, I would love to see that kid or uh, my, my favorite, guys. you know what I'm saying, Bo Melton. I mean, he went a little bit later. I, I would love us to grab Bo Melton. I think that kid's a baller. Kind of kind of reminds me of James Washington a little bit. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He, he's built solid like a running back, but he plays from the slot. So, I mean, at that point, just seeing a running back, but I get it. If you're gonna run this this San Francisco style offense, you want to make sure you got workhorses in the back. Uh, you know, what I'm saying you got to imagine Montgomery's gonna get a hell of a lot of touches, and also that brings in the question whether or not the Bears are truly gonna try to pay that man next year or not. So you got to well, load up on on players. Honestly, I think that we we may not see Montgomery get um, the the. I mean, he'll get it the bulk of the carry still, yeah. but it'll be more of a committee, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion, if you're running this type of offense. And that's the future of the NFL. 
And yeah. we're not seeing these running backs getting paid. The ones no. that do get paid, it's hurting them other places. If Derrick Henry got paid, they still made the playoffs when he missed half the season. Zeke got paid. They can't figure out. He ain't even the best running back there. on their team no more. Right. Uh -huh. And that was one of the comps I saw with this kid was Tony Pollard. So that oh, kind really? of that excited me a little bit. Um, but but I don't see us paying David Montgomery and. I know it's going to hurt and break a lot of Bears fans' hearts, but I I just think it's a it's a money thing, and we yes. are going to have a ton of money. But if he wants to get paid like the top back in the league or top five, I don't see them. They <coughs> my son just Sorry. turned the light off on me. There it is. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just don't see them shelling out a whole bunch of money for David Montgomery <coughs> if they can get a good deal on him and he wants to give us a hometown discount. And all, absolutely, and also another uh, just a, a sneaky signing because he's a he was an undrafted guy. A signing Master Teague, uh, Master. Know. I was gonna say Mas Master Teague is very similar to how David runs. So I'm just just throwing that out there. Uh, well, I googled our undrafted free agents. I don't have their scouting reports like I do with our drafted for with our drafted guys. But we'll talk about them toward the end of the show. I, guess. I was gonna say yeah, that's going to be the speed round. <laughs> but. uh the the next pick for are you guys ready to move on? Yes, sir. Or, yeah, yeah. Next pick the Bears grabbed. This was the center, Doug Kramer, uh, offensive center out of Illinois. Apparently, he grew up a Bears fan or something. I think I'd seen something about that. So yeah. uh, Trapasso says on this guy, short area quickness, monster who plays with great leverage because of his low center of gravity, can ex uh, can excel in any scheme. Balance is a clear weakness on the ground often. More offensive line for Chicago. And uh, 6'2", 305, this draft pick gets a C grade from CBS Sports. Uh, I didn't know much about him. I saw when we drafted him, I was like, okay, uh, Illinois center, that makes some sense. Uh, maybe a depth piece going forward. I, I don't know much about the guy. I don't watch a ton of Big Ten, I'll be completely honest. So, uh Maybe the I mean, chat do, probably knows him more think, than sorry, you. Sorry, AC. Sorry, Matt. Cut you off. <laughs> Is it, do you reckon good. he's been brought in? Do you think he's been brought mainly in just for like competition for the line, like another body and another camp body sort of bringing it? Or do you actually see him actually, you know, having a actual chance of being the, the starting centre for the Bears? And I'll pass it on I to think, Jordan. <laughs> I think he's more. I think he's more depth. I've seen a lot right, of right, right. stuff about Mustafer being right guard in camp and stuff. So they're trying to move pieces around and see where everybody fits. And I think uh -huh. this guy is just going to be uh, – they're going to let him and Mustafer duke it out for some of those depth, some of those depth pieces. And at the very sure. least, I think Mustafer's on like a one-year deal. So you got this guy for four years. If you can stash him on the practice squad this year and then going forward, let him, uh, let him be a depth piece or something. That, I mean, that sounds all right with me. So I laugh at your or I, I smirk at your question, Chris, because it's a good question. I'm I'm smirking because I think you'll be surprised by my answer. I don't think he's gonna well, start this year. It's not what I'm saying, but when you're picking a center this late, and this is gonna kind of complete my trilogy here of what uh Braxton Jones was and Zachary Thomas and now Doug Kramer, when you're uh -huh. picking a center here this late in the draft you're almost looking for like a key trait or something that you can really bank on that maybe he doesn't do a lot else well, but he does this well. So right, right. He, he is built. And again, not the same player, but he's built 
in the mold of what is so in vogue with this system, which is that right. undersized center-only prospect who's except, exceptional in short area burst and quickness. And his ability, and you, again, anybody, I've, I don't know, follow me on Twitter, I'll get some clips up of uh, how he reaches three techs and, and players and is able to wall them off and reach block them. And that's really his calling card. Now, somebody in the chat mentioned that, uh, you know, ultimately when he's going up against nose guards, he's small and he's going to get beat. I got news for you. That's a Tyler Linderbaum issue. The, my number two prospect in the draft, Tyler Linderbaum I'm gets his ass kicked. That. He gets his ass kicked by nose tackles too. And the reason is, is when you get these center only prospects that are sub 300, 305, 62, they are not these gap scheme big beasts that can handle mm. an anchor. But what the they Jaguars are, got the best center in the draft. In the yeah, Luke Fortner is a savage. Um, <laughs> he's a savage, but you get these guys that are designed to specifically reach block because that's ultimately what a zone is. We're literally trying to wall off and create lanes for the running back so that he can either go through a lane or cut it back. And so that is what he does well. Now, where I was saying that we're tying all the three offensive linemen together is that with the guy like Alec, or I'm thinking Alec Lindstrom because I'm seeing it in the chat, and I like Alec Lindstrom. That was a little bit why I was like, why are we taking Kramer and not Lindstrom? But when you're looking at guys like Tyler Linderbaum, Cam Jurgens, these undersized centers that aren't going to be able to anchor really well in pass pro, what you really need next to them is big mountains, maulers of guards. It's what Philadelphia has done with Jason Kelsey his whole career. Mm -hmm. Jason Kelsey is not – and he's a great center. I love Jason Kelsey. But he's a guy that would struggle against the biggest noses in the league. And the way that they've been able to protect him in pass pro is having these monster guards to be able to do what I call like closing the elevator doors so that while he's not the widest and biggest guy at center, they have the guards really protect his flanks so that he's not getting beat by these big guys. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with the bears? Well, the two guys that they've signed, whether it be, Oh, Larry Borm's a big dude. Tevin's a big dude. Braxton Jones is big. Cam, uh, keep thinking Cameron Thomas because his brother Zachary Thomas is a big dude. Those are your mountain guards to protect a Doug Kramer. And that's not me telling you Doug Kramer starts this year, but it was very intentional and clear when I saw the draft pick that this is that type of center. Now, if he develops into that reach block fast zone center and maybe year two or year three, if Lucas Patrick doesn't work out or they don't find that guy, this is their version of that. Now we'll see how much he develops. But the reason I bring that up is these zone centers are not incredibly common. They, they can do it, but getting that lateral quickness and agility to be able to reach three techs and get to your spot in a quickie, that's not every center in the draft, and it's not all that mm. common. That makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, I just, like, I, I you know me, guys. I, I like to go hey. to Bro, I'm I'm here for it because if you if you wasn't here, we'd have been like, well, we drafted a center. Uh, right, we wouldn't know anything about these players. Just saying. So I definitely I'm loving all the information I'm getting here, Jordan. And while you were talking, I was see you giving me time to be able to do some stuff behind the scenes. I went on the yeah Google here and looked up our UDFA 
uh, class, and I've got mm-hmm. a YouTube video up for one of them that we're going to get into after we go over these draft picks. So uh, this might be a little bit of a longer show today, but I'm all, all right, right with it. <laughs> I was gonna say uh our, our next pick I kinda I kinda wanna I wanna wax poetic about because of my own uh upbringings, you know. Okay. The next pick was right here, uh Jatire Carter from Southern University. Uh he's 6'5, 275. We got a B plus on this. Um Trapasso says he's he has athleticism and under control style, pops on the film. Can play multiple positions, but probably a center or guard at the next level after playing left tackle in college. Run game work is high end. Handwork and power could improve. And I believe I read something about uh, this is the first um, uh, HBCU product that we've brought in since uh, 2004, I believe it was, something like that. So, um I'll let you go ahead, KB, and you'll start us off. Okay, okay. I was gonna say I don't know what's going on. All right, real quick, just 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 for shits and gigs, what my background is. I went to I went to Grand State, which is HBU. Uh, Southern Southern is our Green Bay Packers. We okay. Grambling, we can't stand Southern. That's that's our big uh, bowl game every year that we play with each other. Southern versus Grambling is huge, and it, the battle of the bands is even worse. Uh, Hold on, hold on. That's it. So, to see us draft the kid out of HBCU, uh, a, a lot of folks, if you know, Walter Payton was drafted from Jackson State, which is HBCU. Is HBCUs have very rich cultures, especially it runs deep in football. Uh, Eddie Robinson was one of the most winningest head coaches in college football history. Period. Uh, it, we we have a lot of pride in our in our football. We have a lot of players that are actually Hall of Famers. Whole bunch of corners. I I, I can go on and on. I think Richard Dent came from HBCU as well. Yep. So. Tariq Cohen was a uh, HBCU player too, man. Uh, Shout out to Doug Williams. Fact, facts. First black quarterback, baby. Yeah. And win the Super Bowl, Ooh. man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to see to see us draft this kid, he's he's very athletic. He's a huge kid, and I see a lot of folks saying, "Oh, we should." We need more guards. I don't feel he'll play guard at the next level. I, I mean, uh, tackle at the next level. He's going to be a guard. Uh, you get this kid inside. He's very good in the run game, from what I've seen. Uh, just got to get his hand worked together. He's a, he's a late round pick for a reason. He didn't he didn't come with ever all the pieces put together like my boy Jordan would tell you. But he's a very he's a very interesting prospect, man. If you can if you can get his hand placement down and get his play strength up a little bit you might have a starting right or left guard next year uh, and just get this kid's head, you know what I'm saying, head on to the NFL as part of it. So right. athleticism is there. He'll be able to do these reach blocks and do everything he's supposed to. Uh, but we just, just got to give it time. Yeah, I mean, I'll dovetail that with everything Ryan says spot on. And this is kind of what I was saying, traits on traits on traits, athleticism, 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 because – he was looking for guys, and and for those aren't familiar, Jatire Carter was a former basketball player, a guy. You're noticing a trend here: these big, tall, mm. athletic guys that have good footwork. If you're playing mm. basketball, you got to be able to dribble ball between your legs, things like that. So, he's a athlete who's got good light feet, and I don't think he's going to play tackle at the next level whatsoever. I, I actually I know that reports that he could play some center. Different scheme. You don't want big, tall, six-five centers in this scheme. It's just 
it's it's not that's not him. He is your guard though. He's a guard. To me, he's a guard only prospect. That uh, Adeptus had said, like, isn't he the guy that blew up the Senior Bowl? He had middling reps of the Senior Bowl. Not, and that sounds negative. It's not. He had some lightning awesome reps against guys that were killing it. Logan Hall, thirty third pick overall. He lost quite a few to Logan, but actually stonewalled him on a few. Travis Jones, a guy I really liked, had some good reps Ooh. with him. He and Zion in those senior bowl practices, Zion Johnson, Boston College guard that went to the Chargers in the first round, were opening up five-lane freeway lanes during the run game in the senior bowl. And you see the one that I love is Perry and Winfrey was the senior bowl MVP. A lot of people, he had a killer senior bowl, and everybody was ready to write him off or write him into the second round. I was telling you I wasn't high on him. But he dominated people in the senior bowl. Nobody wanted anything to do with Perry and Winfrey. And there were, again, Perry and Winfrey lost reps, but there were, I think, two guys, and I'm forgetting the other one off the top of my head, that stonewalled Perry and Winfrey. Uh, but if there was a guy that, and I can put this on Twitter too if you need to see it, Jatire Carter completely shut down Perry and Winfrey in a one-on-one rep. Mm. Despite being a guy that hasn't played against the best competition, right. is somewhat raw, needs refinement. But this is the entire story of this class you see flashes of what they can do when it's all right, when it's all put together. And mm -hmm. now it becomes, okay, that, that right there, that, that's what I want. How do we get that all the time? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole goes back to what Ryan was saying, teachers. Teachers. If we can get yep. teachers to instill the right lessons, to get you wound up in the right way to make sure you're not leaning over, you're not punching too high, you've got your pads low, you're anchoring well, you've got a nice wide base, things like that, all of a sudden a guy like Jatire Carter comes in and you're like, who's this ass kicker, a guard? So I'm, I'm, I'm high on the pick. And this is where when you're talking these late round picks, they're not, you're not going to get full built prospects. It's just not right. what happens. The, these are NFL teams. They get paid too. So those mm -hmm. all built prospects yeah. go early. But if you can find guys in these late rounds that go, that right there is a special trait or he's got special measurables I see this and you can extract that full time. That's a gem. And that's what these are measured dart throws and saying, if one or two of these guys become big hits, that's worth it for the fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. Right. Yeah. I think uh, so, some major points that you guys talked about was uh, his athleticism. Um, if he's going to be a guard in this, in this zone scheme, uh, those guards have to be able to move. They, they, they're not just going straight forward. A lot of times Correct. they're pulling or walling off an edge uh, in, in his own scheme. So his athleticism is going to be major there. Um, Poles talked about yesterday, they asked him specifically, I think, about the senior bowl. And he said, yeah, it's good to see these uh, players playing against other competitions, sometimes higher competition. And I feel like you just talked about that, Jordan, with Jatire Carter taking on uh, Perry and Winfrey um, and beating him in one-on-one -on -one drills. So they see that. They know that's something that they can build on. And I also like the fact that they took multiple swings at the offensive line. Uh, how many times with Ryan yeah. Pace did we see he didn't touch offensive line until the seventh round, and he might grab one or two guys and hope they work out. Where Poles made it a – made it a, a uh, a priority. A priority. That's the word I was looking for. He traded up. He he came back in and 
did everything he could to, to, to get multiple picks and see how they work out, see if their teachers on this coaching staff can build on the flashes that they've seen in practices and whatnot. And you really brought up a good point, Aaron. It's really quick, but it's the idea that Brian Poles put his money where his mouth is. And I got to give yeah, him credit on both right. sides of this. He could have gone into the draft as a former offensive lineman and shown that he has his blinders on and it's only about the offensive line and we're just going to mm-hmm. draft five offensive linemen early and then we're going to try to fill in other positions because all I care about is the beefcakes up in the front. Mm-hmm. What he did was say, no, I'm going to pick the best player available early. And I know that you remember this, Aaron and Chris, a couple of weeks ago when I said, you don't need to reach on offensive linemen early because yeah. the one thing I feel is that at the end of the draft, there'd be a ton of good talent. And what do you see? The And again, I'm not paid by an NFL team, but you see the NFL teams going, Ryan Poles, I'm going to pick and put my money where my mouth is. And he said he would take care of the offensive line. There's a lot of work that's left to be done. We'll see what happens with it. But I remember, like, it was funny, Olin Krutz was saying, you know, he's been talking about this offensive line. We'll see if he picks one or two guys or if he's really dedicated to it. Because a lot of guys come into Chicago and say that they understand the offensive line is a problem. And then they draft or sign one guy and think it's a fix. And the right. one thing that you saw here was Ryan Poles going, no, I understand value. I understand that the one thing I know myself and Ian Cunningham know how to do is know how to scout offensive linemen and know how they, they can, what they can do and how they play. And so I'm going to trade back and I'm just going to start – filling the offensive lineman room with traits mm-hmm. and talent. And I'm going to make it an open competition and say, you want to play beat out your guy. Yeah. 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 And speaking yeah. of competition and, and building up rooms with our, uh, when we traded our six round pick next year, back to the, did you say the Chargers? I believe that's who we traded with. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it's, Chargers. It was funny. Khalil Mack trade got you a second and a sixth next year from them. Mm-hmm. We basically called Tom Telesco and said, "We well, you want your sixth-round pick back next year? Can you give right. us your two seventh-round compensatory picks? Yeah. So in the seventh round, um, as I said earlier, I thought the draft was over for us, so I stopped paying attention. Mm-hmm. And then I got alerted that it ain't over yet, brother. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> and the first pick that we grabbed in the seventh round is Elijah Hicks, a safety out of California, 5'11", 200 pounds. Uh, it says he played deep middle and spent time in the slot, which is important. <clears throat> Tackling is hit or miss, above average coverage ability in man, smaller size for the position and coming off a foot injury. Uh, this draft pick gets a C from CBS Sports. And I saw Elijah on Instagram yesterday. I think it was on the Chicago Bears official Instagram. Uh, he basically was like, you know, I was a bear in college and I'm a bear in the pros and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get on the field, special teams, safety, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to play. So uh, I'm excited about is, this guy and he seems excited about being here. So yeah, that video was amazing, bro. You, you just see once he, he's like, I, it was that moment. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Push-ups. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that, my man is really excited, bro. Like, that, that was so nice to see. That was that was fun. I, yeah. Everybody loves that video. I do, too. I'm not, not hating on the guy. I love seeing it. But I, and, uh, I'd like to think maybe this is – if I could add one thing to this pod, it's this player. So I, I'm a Southern California boy. He went to uh, St. John Bosco near me in high school, uh, Long Beach kid. So his name was already big in the area and the local circuit went to Cal Berkeley. 
kind of had to work his way into the lineup. I saw him flash during my time scouting Ashton Davis, a fellow safety that went to the New York Jets in the third round. This guy, and I don't expect everybody to know this name. If you want to go and find out why I'm high on him, and you can go look at that. To me, what I saw on tape is Ardarius Washington. Ardarius Washington was a free safety, or excuse me, strong safety, but size of a free safety at TCU under Gary Patterson. And he was a draft, he was undrafted last year, but could have been as early as a third round pick. He was the Robin to Trevon Morig's or Merig's Batman. And the reason for that is Trevon Merig, who went to the Raiders second round, was seen as the number one safety last year, is a rangy guy, a guy that can play center field as a ball hawk, kind of like Eddie Jackson. What Eli Hicks is, or in this case, what I'm referring to the comp, Ardarius Washington, is the enforcer, the guy that covers up and is willing to play run support and play the slot and get dirty in the box and fill and spill runs. And so what you see here is a guy, and, and credit to Eli Hicks as much, is Ardarius Washington's 5'8", Eli Hicks is 5'11", but packs a punch. So, and the beautiful thing that I got to give credit to with Eli Hicks and Cal is TCU, they run a two hide system like you're going to see in a lot of the league in Chicago. Cal runs a middle of the field closed single high safety. And Eli Hicks was showing the range to be able to play. It takes a very special skill set where you're lining up in the middle of the field and you have to be able to go sideline to sideline and drive on balls. And so he has the explosiveness and the range to play center fielder, which is what Eddie Jackson did when Chuck Pagano was here. But he comes in as a ball of energy and fire and is ready to prove himself and is willing to knock your head off. Um, and that is why, I mean, I, I, you're not going to probably find anybody on, in all of the internet calling you and telling you that he's a deep cut to our Darius Washington, but go watch our Darius Washington's tape. And then go watch Eli Hicks and tell me you don't see it. And you're like, oh, wow, that's an incredible fly. I know a lot of people were like, who's this Hicks guy? And we don't need another safety. I'm like, go watch the tape and see what he provides. It's an all-around player, and it's a great piece. What it sounds like, everything that you just said, and what I'm seeing in the chat from the, the people that have watched him, it sounds like he fits Eberflus's hits, personality mm -hmm. Hits it right on the on on the, the nail on the head. I mean, sounds like he's got hustle. You said he played a single high safety, so he's hustling all over the field, bro. If that's if you're the only safety, you are the last line of defense, then you've got to hustle. And, and he sounded intense on the video. Uh, I don't know what his turnover numbers are as far as taking the ball away, but playing smart and sound football. Uh, again, if you're the single high safety, you've got to be smart. And it sounds like he's ready to come in and do whatever it takes to make this team grabbing him in the seventh round. He sounds mm. hungry and ready to go. And my only, I'm wondering if maybe they had called him and said, Hey, we'd like to make you a, a priority free agent. And he was like, well, I got calls from some other teams or something. So they felt the need to get back up there to grab this guy. And uh, they, and, and, and they did just that. And I feel like he, he fits the scheme. He fits the personality. Um, I'm not saying he's going to take Eddie Jackson's job, but watch your back, Eddie Jackson. You better be coming in and yeah, playing that's, hard this year, that's... or or you're going to be sitting on the bench. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I like it, ACU, just due to the fact that it's more competition for Eddie Jackson, and it's you know, I mean, it's it's another safety guy that wants his job. 
So, Eddie Jackson, I think you're uh, slightly on notice, mate, because uh, there's two guys there who are really wanting it. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens through training camp. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I asked AC, would you mind just putting up the scouting report on him real quick? Because I take I take umbrage with at least a little part of that that I want to touch on. Um, and I want to make sure I don't misquote the, the scouting report on him. The, the, the area that I have, and for those that are just listening to the podcast, it's Chris Trapasso here with, I believe it was CPS, CBS Sports. It says uh, on Elijah Hicks that tackling is hit or miss. And I really want to kind of fight back on that because the thing that I saw with him is in and in some ways it can be fixed up a little bit, but it's overly aggressive. And what AC was really talking about that's important here is that when you're playing the single high middle field close safety, you are truly the last line of defense. And so if his tackling was hit or miss, that's a real issue where all of a sudden you got everybody running by you for touchdowns constantly. I saw him consistently have to come downhill as the last line of defense and mm-hmm. fill in the run. And then you talk about range and he was playing the center fielder and consistently doing one of two things, showing the instinctiveness to drive on routes and force interceptions, which they're all over his tape. Or if he didn't get there in time, he was lighting you up, like just putting his helmet into your chest and driving through you to force the ball loose. Like this is just, it's a guy that I'm not telling you he's Ed Reed or Troy Palomalu. But you see what you want to see out of a safety at the college level, Mm. especially when you're the last line of defense Mm. and you need to make sure nothing gets behind you and you're not giving up big gains. So you're filling the run, making sure that you don't have an alleyway where it's 65 yard touchdown runs. And if you're the last line of defense, you're getting there in time to either snag the ball away for a pick or you're forcing a PBU. Sounds great to me. Sounds great to me. I'm hearing echoes. Anybody else hearing that? I'm good. I don't think I hear. I was going to say, looking in the chat, Mule said no sound. No sound at all? I, I have no clue. No, I, I, I can hear. Well, I mean, I can hear you guys finally. Okay. Unless it would just been in moments where we all just didn't say anything. I guess uh, we- let, me, let me just do some technical work. Uh, Jordan, oh. if there's anything else you, you got to talk about, I'm going to. We're good? Yeah, I just I just turned on my turned my YouTube up on my phone. I heard it, so okay. Uh, I guess yeah, Matthew, I guess we'll move on. Okay, yeah, we're right, good. Man. We'll move on to the last pick game here. He's a putter. Uh, Trenton Gill, a putter <laughs> out of NC State, 6'4", 219 pounds. So maybe he can play some wide receiver for us too. Uh, <laughs> <a bit laughs> You're a smart ass. <laughs> Such a smart ass. He has a high last score. He might be able to. So it's a bit surprising yeah. he was selected because of inconsistency in 2021, but booms it with good hang time. So it sounds like we got another uh, mega punt on our hands. Um, to take over the spot that uh, O'Donnell has left open in our in our roster. Is there anything about this guy? I mean, I don't really scout punters or kickers to be honest, unless they're unless they're missing. Which I mean, even the ones that miss in the pros, a lot of times they're perfectly fine in college. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, because I'm a nerd, I got I got this much on him because oh, I am sure. a nerd and I, I scout punters and kickers. So. 
Um, admittedly, I wasn't. I was a little surprised wow. because <laughs> I had three punters at the top. Ryan's, and not in any particular order, but you had the punt god, Matt Ariza from San Diego State, everybody knows. Then you had Jordan Stout, Penn State. Mm-hmm. And then you had Ryan Stonehouse, Colorado State. I, I wasn't so, I've, I've been saying this for weeks that Matt Ariza has his own issues. I personally valued Stonehouse and Stout above him. And I, again, I like to pat myself on the back a little bit and feel vindicated when I see things like Jordan Stout going ahead of Matt Ariza. I was bummed that it wasn't Stonehouse. And Stonehouse has a, got a killer leg, good directional punter, played at Colorado State, understands the elements. NC State gets cold too, so it's not a big deal there. What I preferred Stout and Stonehouse for that Ariza didn't have is directional punting. The idea that Ariza is just trying to put it in the back of the end zone and get you to the 20-yard line. That's valuable. He can flip the field. But if you're looking to actually get true field positional advantage – you're trying to cough and corner the punt. You're trying to put them behind the 20. And that is something that I thought Ariza lacked. Now you're like, what does this have to do with Gill? Gill is much more, and you know, I would say he doesn't quite have the field flipping ability of Ariza. Ariza is rare in his leg strength. But what Gill has is much more of that boom, that leg strength, that isn't quite the directional punting prowess of a stone house or a stout but he does have more positional kicking ability than what I saw with Matt Ariza. Um, and I'm getting deep in the weeds of punters here. I'll shut up very quick, <laughs> quickly here. But essentially, I think that it's not a horrible ad. And they had actually asked Ryan Poles about why would you draft a punter? And he was saying, look, the reality is when you start talking in priority free agents, you just don't want to get into a bidding war over. And he didn't say it quite this rude, but you don't want to get into a bidding war over a, over a useless <laughs> a guy that we're not trying to have on the field more than we have to. So it was much more about, hey, let's secure the rights of a guy we believe in that can truly flip the field, and he's kind of a budget Matt Ariza. And so I know everybody wants putting God, but you get a guy with a good leg here. Yeah. I mean, Matt Ariza was the guy that – the only punter I heard about pre-draft. And it was for just like you said, the way he was, you know, kicking the ball 60 yards plus. I mean, uh, but, but that's in San Diego. This is it's not in Chicago where the ball's cold. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's why I like the guy that you spoke on from Colorado State. I mean, maybe I haven't looked at the whole list of UDFAs. Maybe the Denver Broncos have called him or <laughs> or something to see if he wants to stay in their home state there. Um, but that's another thing with Colorado is we see a lot of booming punts and kicks because of the the altitude out there. Yeah, uh, exactly. Thin air. A lot of the a lot of the field goal records are from Denver because of that. So I don't know. Maybe our scouting room liked this guy better because he he played in a, a humid North Carolina weather. Um, I, and you I, you know me, I like budget players. Like that's my game. Like oh, if you can't get this guy, you get this guy. Well, every Bears fan was like, take Matariza in the fifth round. You need other positions in a team that's bad and has a lot of holes. This is a budget Matariza. Now, again, it's Kleenex or Coke, whatever name brand you want to use. When I say budget, no, it doesn't mean that you get Coke in the fifth round or you get Coke in the seventh round. It's a different product. It's slightly right. less, but it's good value. Yeah. We're getting that uh, Dr. Thunder in the seventh round. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I did bring up um, this was the – latest undrafted free agent list that I've seen <clears throat> on Bears Wire here. 
So I'm going to attempt to share my screen again. Um, you guys let me know if it works or not. Yes, sir. And I'll just scroll through the list and then maybe we can. Uh, what I'd like to do is talk about all of or, or name all of them. Yep. And then if you I'll guys have, you. if you get right, if you guys have points about a couple of them, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those. So I'm going to hit share screen here. Uh, one of my tabs. So I'm saying make, make, make sure Pornhub starts off, bro. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to, bro. And, <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to Alyssa Barbieri. This is her website at uh, hey, bearswire.com. Uh, uh, they have all your all your uh, bears needs. Uh, Alyssa, Alyssa also helps keep our guy uh, uh, Buffon in line. So <laughs> Big job. <laughs> the first one is uh, Savon Scarver, a wide receiver out of Utah State. Um, I don't know size or anything he looks kind of thin in the picture there um but i don't know about his height this thing is not loading well and i don't think it's my internet maybe it's because i'm sharing the screen i don't know uh the next one is kevin shaw for liberty i believe i saw some plays huh i was saying yeah we see it fine if you're on kevin shaw yeah it's fine yeah okay yeah i think i saw some plays from him with when I was looking at Malik Willis early in the draft class, uh, Cal tied in Jake Tungus, I'm assuming is how you pronounce it. And then uh, linebacker Jack Sanborn, he's a guy that I was grabbing late in draft in, in mock drafts. So, uh, so bringing him as a UDFA, I, I believe, is a good move. Um, cornerback. Uh, it looks like Allie Green. I'm hoping he's Ali because Allie's a girl's name, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing against the guy. But uh, Missouri Corner, uh, Chase Allen from Iowa State. I think I saw a different picture of him, and he looked like he was kind of ready to go. And then there's the running back, Master Teague from Ohio State uh, that um, KB touched on earlier. Defensive back Jalen Jones for us. Hometown kid. Um, there you go. Linebacker Jamal Brooks from South Alabama. So CJ Avery from Louisville. We can just kind of skip over him, you know, because he. Yeah, I mean he's from Louisville, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry Litwin from Slippery Rock. I know they had a running back go, go last year that uh I don't remember here. I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before, but uh, Slippery Rock is a small school that's up and coming. Jonathan Alexander from Charlotte, another safety. J- Jalen Alexander from Purdue. So kind of a from the Chicago land area, I guess. Purdue's a big a big school out there. Tristan Taylor from Eastern Washington. I don't know anything at all about him. Micah Drew Treadway, defensive lineman from Minnesota. He looks fired up in that picture. <laughs> and I'm sorry if you guys hear clicking this whole time. While I'm trying to scroll, 
We got a long snapper from TCU invited to rookie minicamp. Antonio Ortiz. I was saying you're clicking so much because they're they're signing an entire team. Uh, of Joshua Black from Syracuse. Yeah, it seems like it, man. I didn't expect it to be this long. You see how small this scroll button is over here? <laughs> yeah, bro. I was going to say, we signed like 25 uh, people, to... bro. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, another they, they signed like 25 Ohio. folks, bro. Montreal. Hey, there's a kicker, Matt Coughlin from Michigan State. So he kicked in the cold. That's a solid invite from Louisiana Tech, the linebacker. Hopefully, I'm getting close to the end. Cyrus Holder. Not bad, really. <laughs> Steve, is that? Jesus. I didn't expect it to take this long. Uh, defense, There's literally like 25 people. It's, from it was, Western Missouri, Michigan. I'm going to say that name. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to butcher it. <laughs> it's Kyle, Kyle, Go on. What? <laughs> Oh, we got a we got a quarterback. I didn't see okay, that. Okay, I'm gonna. Oh, man, I'm struggling here. I didn't expect to be this damn long. I'm... My my uh, forearm's starting to hurt. Really getting some love. It's like a workout. Roy Baker from EKU. Okay, okay, EKU. Christian Albright from Ball State, a linebacker. I'm sure this is great radio if you guys listen to the podcast. Uh, Gene DeLance from Florida, an offensive lineman. For the rate, for the for the the audio listeners, just know uh, that Luke. for the UDFAs, it's like 25 people. Yeah, yeah, it's literally like an entire freaking website. Yeah, it's a roster. <laughs> I ain't, I'm not ready for all that as far as. Uh, Production value. Maybe if we had Aldo, he could play. Something. <laughs> this is this is in the, all uh, in all reality. We're, we got a lot of people coming in. <laughs> I was just I was just gonna say this is the D League Chicago Bears. They're Go building ahead, a separate team. This is the D League Chicago Bears. They're building a separate a team yeah. to put in the Walter Payton Center. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, we lost KB. Yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, and there he is back. You good, K. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was sitting there telling you, I said, "Bro, it's legit like twenty-five people. We got a USFL team we're trying to build, and uh, <laughs> everybody yeah. that's not making the team is going to that team." So this, 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 AC's this. arm, AC's arm, got a better workout on that website than his. Uh, Bruh, his all website. that clicking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go real quick. Like, I don't have too much other than a few players. And when you have 25 players, we're not getting into 25 guys. It will be here all day. But uh, yeah. the big ones, the big hits for me, Master Teague, uh, played with Justin Fields at Ohio State, is much more of a – I don't want to say like a power back, but he doesn't have long speed. That's not his game. But a uh, big, buff, shorter player um, that was productive and a good pass blocker while Justin Fields was there. So nice ad. Uh, from the Ohio State offense. Jack Sanborn was probably the biggest name from Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big player there. I actually had a sixth, fifth, sixth-round grade on him. So good value. The reason why I loved him is – I know this isn't a, probably a, everybody's favorite name, but I see a lot of Nick Kwiatkowski in his game, and 
What I really noticed in watching the film with him, and they had a couple other players in their linebacking core, uh, Jojo Doman, and who didn't get drafted, I don't believe, and, of course, Leo Chanel, who went to the Chiefs. He was the glue guy. Uh, and what I mean by that is you got those flashy linebackers that, like, Jojo Doman's this athletic freak, kind of more of, like, on the edge, kind of creating, setting an edge and pass pressure. And then you have Leo Chanel, who's this freakish athlete that's, literally stacking and shedding blockers. But when those guys were so overly aggressive and playing out of position, it was constantly, and I mean constantly, Jack Sanborn that was holding it all together and finding a way to rally the tackle to get to cover for his guys' mistakes. Like the ultimate wingman linebacker. And so I'm not telling you like Jack Sanborn is going to come in and be a star player, but he can play special teams and he's that guy that understands gap responsibility mm-hmm. and playing within his skill set. And that's valuable on a defense. Yeah. When you're going to have athletic players like Morrow and, and Smith and these other guys playing with their hair on fire, Sanborn's the guy kind of holding it together. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing I would say, I'm trying to go through, trying to remember all 25 names. You had a couple Liberty guys, a couple Ball State guys, but mm-hmm. the one that I have to really put some shine on, like I would be remiss not to, and I don't know if you have some footage to, to play here, and if not, I'll just tell the crowd where they need to go for the audio listeners, is Slippery Rock wide receiver, 6'1", 195, I believe is the, the measurables, Henry Litwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the as a corniest cringe joke, but I got to drop it. Um, when I was watching just his highlight tape, a self-produced highlight tape on YouTube, you can type in Henry Litwin, one word Litwin, L-I-T-W-I-N. He produced his own highlight tape. This guy looks like a phenom at the D2 level. Yeah. And- I mean, I don't know if uh, – I've got a video here from YouTube, but I don't know if it's the exact same one that you just spoke about. Um, but I'll go ahead and play it. For the guys that are watching on YouTube, and if you're listening to the audio version, you can go back and check him out on YouTube. Um, it's worth your time. If you're listening on audio, please, I'm begging you, just put on this highlight tape of this dude. It's freaky. So it's Henry Litwin from Slippery Rock. A sad thing about this is it kind of reminded me of when they were showing highlights of Adam Shaheen as far as the production value of it. But uh, I'm just going to let it play. I've got it muted, so we won't get sued by whatever music he's playing. Um, but uh, and maybe I should just go full screen on it. Like, look at this. I'm telling you, this is, it's D two. I don't, I don't want right. to play it. <laughs> but at D two, you're going you've got a lower level quarterback as well, and he's going up above guys and making plays. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I, you're gonna hear me like get red and excited because watch it. Like, look at this. What? Yeah. Look you at hurdle this, that guy. <laughs> Yeah, so if you guys are listening to audio, definitely go on YouTube and check out. Oh, he is hit yes, on this like, thing. Gets his feet in bounds. Yeah, I'm yeah. You, this guy is a freak. They just put it up to him and, and let him do his thing. How big is this guy? Six one one ninety five. Wow, he looks. Maybe it's because it's D two level, but he looks Look freaking huge. Look at yeah, yeah. Just, I, get, I get giddy watching his play. Like it, it almost damn near triple coverage. They're pulling the ball down. Hmm. Look at this. Boop. Wow. Look at that. Left has got his feet. The toe touch. The toe touch. That toe, de- toe drag swag on that play. Like, it's, it's, mm. and I'm going to go deeper in talking about what, you, what, you, what you're watching on the highlight tape. And yes, these are highlights. 
Right. Of course, you know, and, and good luck trying to find slippery rock film. Right. Um, Man, he's got a one. nice hurdle on him, though. It's like the second one he showed on this video. Jumping over dudes. Hey, I, I'm gonna say this. Up and getting it. The damn preseason game is gonna be lit, boy. You, I, I want to see a lot of these young players play, bro. Because I, I, I say this, man. One of the, the the funnest games to watch last year is that mm-hmm. that Vikings game when we had the entire secondary out, and you just had all those young boys out yeah. there playing and balling. That's yeah, that's yeah, that, yeah. that's fun football to watch because those kids are playing because they want to play. That's like what you want to see. We just skipped over it. It's fine. But, like, there were two plays back-to-back where he's not, like, some amazing touchdown. But he's in open field, comes to a stop after the catch, and shakes dudes. Like, they're yeah. they're just lost, picking up their ankles. This guy is ridiculous. And so I'll take, like, 40 seconds to go into why those highlights are so special. Every part of the receiving game is shown in that. He's going up and attacking the ball at the catch point and winning. Yep. He's juking in open space. He's showing body awareness and toe tapping on the sideline to secure catches. He's doing it all. And so I know that I, I got to go in a little bit at the at the casuals in the chat when they go, we needed to pick more receivers. And sure, it's nice to get a household name that you know and that you're familiar with. And I didn't even – I'd never heard of Henry Litwin. And I haven't reviewed all 25 names, but when you see some of these players and you see tape like that and you're bringing that guy to camp, mm-hmm. do not be surprised if that guy starts showing out in rookie minicamp against players and becomes a guy that Justin Fields starts feeling. Because this is the thing I've been pleading for. I just want to see Justin Fields get a weapon that he feels like, and I'm not saying Darnell Mooney isn't this, but Darnell Mooney does not win physically. That's this problem. He's a great receiver, but that's not his game. What I want Justin Fields to find is a receiver that he can count on that, damn, when things look bad, I want to throw it to this guy and I feel confident that he's going to come down with it because he finds a way to either get open or win at the catch point and pull it down. And Henry Litwin shows that consistently on that tape. Mm-hmm. He is, and I think the, the cringe joke I was going to tell is his last name is Litwin. The tape is lit and he's constantly winning. Like it's just he's nasty. <laughs> it is nasty. We gotta get out of pull that off. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. I'm telling you, like, it's just I was I was I was up watching this. I watched his highlight tape like on repeat. Because I was just like, I just can't believe what I'm seeing here. It's, it's I thought phenomenal. he was I mean, I just thought he looked bigger than he was. You said six yeah. one that. I don't know the way he was going up and getting things at the high point. It looked like he was like six four. I mean, and the ability to keep his toes inbound, and when he doesn't even have to at that level, he only has to get one foot inbounds yeah. in college, and he just is like, "No, this is what I'm gonna do." Yeah, and it's ahead. not just a highlight tape. He's got a lot of records and was winning awards at the D two level for receiving. I it, it, the tape is littered with these all star plays. That again, it's every other prospect, even that they were drafting. You're seeing flashes of what it could be. Now, can that translate to the NFL level? Can we get some of that more consistently and reliably? And if you can, it, it, it's unbelievable, some of the talent that they're pulling. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so those are my three guys. It's Master Teague, it's Jack Sanborn, and it's Henry Lippman. Those are the guys that I – Yeah, I can go I – will, I will co-sign with those. I'll say Master Teague, Jack Sanborn was, it was a very interesting one to me. Because I felt like he should have been drafted, probably late fifth rounder. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that kid found his way up to play right outside linebacker somehow. Uh, you don't have to be the most athletic person at that point. All you got to do is come forward and hit people. So uh, I was looking at that, and, uh, yeah, Master Teague, him, and uh, that, that wide receiver, is, is that's filthy. I did not realize he was that damn good. Good guy. Yeah, I like what Foster says here. He's not fast. He can't run. He just catches the effing ball. Sounds like yeah, uh, Tom Waddle. <laughs> like it's just it's 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 phenomenal. And I mean, there there were there were guys all up and down that list of you know from different places. Like one of the ones that you were making not making fun of, but you were like, oh, if it's Ali, it's a girl's name. Is Ali Green the fourth was uh, the opposing corner opposite in Nizu's defense. Uh, his running mate, a Caleb Evans, went earlier in the draft. And mm-hmm. a lot of people had a Caleb Evans hire because of his measurables, and he's kind of a freak guy, 6'2". I, I, not consistently, but when watching Mizzou's defense, I saw Ollie Green put better film together than his running mate, a Caleb Evans. So, again, it's that idea that there's something there. Can we mold it into what fits for us? So that's a good signing. And then I see Foster cover saying Cyrus Holder. Uh, is that the t- Texas A&M guy? I haven't, I haven't seen his tape. Um, I may have come across it once or twice while watching like a Kenyon Green play, and he's coming across it. But, uh, no, I don't recall seeing Cyrus Holder. He's, yeah. the, he's the Duquesne player. Du- whatever oh, Duquesne, okay. I feel like they signed a, uh, a Texas A&M guy. But, I mean, again, they've signed 25 people. I'm, they signed I, a whole I, other There's only enough hours yeah. in the day, guy, to watch highlight tapes and see UDFAs and – but I got across those, and I know those three very well. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I did see an EKU guy there uh, from here in Richmond. Uh, I don't I don't know much about EKU other than it's a smaller school here in Kentucky, and sometimes they get, um, like, I can't remember. They had an Ohio State transfer. Noah Spence transferred there for a season and then uh, kind of busted out in the league. Um, but, uh, that's all. I don't know much about EKU, honestly. I hear their games are fun to go to because they sell alcohol unlike UK right now, but, uh, hopefully we'll change that. (laughs) Somebody mentioned Chase Allen. Chase Allen was the tight end, uh, out of Iowa state, uh, decent play, like a a guy that can come in and provide some more depth, Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a Y than like an F tight end that they're probably looking for, but. Um, yeah, I mean, solid, again, all of these are solid depth. Like, hey, you may just be a camp body, but if you can come in and prove yourself, you can maybe get a roster spot. And that's really the allure of the Chicago Bears right now. Mm-hmm. If you're an undrafted free agent, Ryan Poles gets to call and say, truly, unless you're Justin Fields, maybe Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gord, Jaquan Brisker, outside of those guys, you can you have an opportunity to come in and make a name for yourself. Like, no spot is totally set. Um, mm-hmm. And so – you know, you're saying that's why you see 25 guys go, yeah, I'll, I'll take that offer. I'll come to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, this Cyrus Holder dude is is nasty, bro. I'm, I'm watching some, <laughs> of, some of the catches he's making when folks dripped all over him, people pushing him. He's doing it. Oh, Lord. Well, see the uh, Duskegee uh, wide receiver? Dustin, yeah, whatever. How the hell you say the name of that school? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see his size, like height, weight type. So I'm, I'm yeah, going to look him up just real quick. And I think that brings up a bigger point that, like, I really want to hammer home. And I'm telling you as a guy that yesterday. 6'4", 205. I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off there. No, Jordan. you're good. And that's Six, that's what that's what we're hoping to see, AC. Like, that's the thing is, I'm not going to lie. I was 
kind of upset yesterday that we were supposed mm-hmm. to be helping Justin Fields and the wide receiver room is weak. And why don't you sign a guy like Justin Ross or Makai Polk or right. Ty Freifogel? And listen, I like those guys. I still, because those are the guys I scouted, I feel like they're kind of like my children. Like I want to see that guy in a Bears jersey making plays. But the reality is just because the name on the back of the plate says Cyrus Holder or Henry Litwin mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he's a trash player. Right. It means that because you're a fanalist, a scout, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'll pull up the beast. I doubt Dane Brugler had Henry Litwin or Cyrus Holder in his wide receiver rankings. Yeah, and so I doubt it's, it. It's it's Ryan Poles and the scouting team digging deep and going, come on, Ryan, give this guy a chance. I'm telling you, I was at the games. This Henry Litwin's a freak. Just bring him in and see if you don't believe it. And he's going, fine. Fine, I'll do it. Yeah, go ahead. And then sure enough, if these guys come in and they become a real legitimate weapon, 6'4", he may beat out a guy like Equinemius St. Brown. He really may. You see a guy like Henry Litwin come in, he may become a, a replacement for like a David Moore that they just picked up. These mm-hmm. guys that aren't household names but show consistent flashes, and those are the guys that you can even stash on the practice squad and develop and see what they become. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a, that's pretty much our show. We've went a half an hour longer than expected. Sure. And uh, but but we covered all, covered a lot of ground. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to do a show next week or not because there's nothing. When's our mini camp, Jordan? Do you know the dates we, off the top we, of your head? I don't know the exact dates, but I believe it's a week from now. Oh, okay. So, yeah, please move the 12th. Okay, yeah, that's real soon. Yeah. Well, I'd like that to be over with so we can recap that before before we have another cool. show. So. I don't just want to hop on to, 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 to hop on, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll figure all that out, but uh, we'll go around the room here and do our shout outs uh, um, and, and, and whatnot. Uh, Chris, if you want to start us off there, um, shout outs and stuff. Yeah. Um, shout outs to you guys. Can't, you can't beat a Sunday afternoon than uh, chatting, you know, for a couple hours about the Chicago Bears or you boys and telling you, Jordan, it's always a massive education, mate. When I chat to you, I learn so much because, as I said last week, I'm not a massive college ball watcher. So, you know, you're filling my head up with stats and I love it, man. And it's great to see KB back and the little KB as well, man. How well behaved with your daughter, amazing. And also, also the big man himself, AC. You know, it's always the AC show. Um, another shout out is it's a bit, bit, bit of a different vibe, but uh, it's a shout to my sister. Uh, unfortunately, she lost her long-term partner, Keith, to terminal cancer this week. So I want to shout to my sister and Keith. And um, and, also, and, uh, and also, like I think the Bears, I think we'd definitely come out of this draft as a better team before we went into it. So, uh, yeah, they're my shouts out. And everybody chat as well. And everybody have a good week and look after themselves. All right, yeah. Well, we'll just go ahead. Uh, if, if your guys' screen looks like ours, you go ahead, Jordan. I'm going to go Perfect. around the circle this way. Yeah, I just want to echo a lot of what Chris was saying. I want to thank all of you. Uh, Ryan, KB, this has been excellent meeting you and a good time doing the show with you. AC hosting it, the host with the most as per usual. And Chris, you're excellent as well. And I always like having kind of our perspective from over the pond. And you guys uh-huh. are excellent. A great time. And it's been good breaking this down. And for the chat, uh, all I really have to say outside of, you know, thanks for hanging out is if I, I try my best to be an open book, um, if you're watching the show, uh, and I'll kind of try to give you my Twitter handle, but it's Jordan T. Silvera, J-O-R-D-A-N, 
T-S-I-L-V-E-I-R-A. If you have any questions, want to know about prospects, want me to talk about where I'm showing you certain players like Jatire Carter winning against Perry and Winfrey, I can pull and send you those things of that sort. So uh, I want to be an open book and I want to be a helpful resource. And so it's been great doing the Barfly Tailgate show and joining Barroom. And this has been exciting. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody has a good week and wish you all well. Bear down. Yes, sir. Ahead, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, man. Shout, shout out to all you boys, man. Shout out to, to my boy Chris, man. He, I know it's late over there, bro. He, he be knocking them beers. I'm sorry. It's only four o'clock in afternoon. It's all, oh, it's only four. Oh, shit. You all right? Then yeah, shit, like, whole day you. You. I'm sitting here tripping. No, it's like 4 a.m. No, but that's why that's why, that's why I'm drinking. Don't, don't, don't make the first night look even worse. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, He's over here having Coronas, just popping them back because I won't shut yeah. up. That's oh, what man. I do, man. If it's all we love, Chris, man. Hey, hey, shout out to you too, Jordan. Like I said, man, first time being on here with you, man. You you are a well of knowledge, man. I love it. it. The energy is amazing. It's good to have you on the show with us, man. I hope to see you many more, and we keep going with this. Uh, mm. Shout out to my to to my my chat. Hey, man, if y'all in the chat, man, we had we had we had like hundred and thirty people at one point. Man, hit the like button, dog. Damn, man, come on, y'all. Yeah, please do. Just <laughs> one second, man. It Just helps, like, man. If you if you like this comment and this, this content, it helps barroom and it helps continue. Yeah, Thank you. Style. Push metrics up. Get this good. If you think the information is useful and good, up, the like button truly gets it out to more Bears fans that don't know about it. Exactly the YouTube algorithm and all that. You know what I'm saying? You know, That's we, right. Right now, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a show plug, sell some shit. But anyway, like I said, that's like I said. Shout out to you fans though, because like I said, we do we do all this for y'all. If without without y'all, it wouldn't be possible, man. So we do this for y'all. And also, my boy AC, get behind the sticks, man. Taking over the 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 the. The the button mashing and the, the, the point clicking and going through 25 UDFs. Killing, killing my shit. <laughs> hey, man. It'd be like that, man. Got to get the forearm game strong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 18 years. My forearm game ain't what it used to be. <laughs> but, man, yeah. Like I said, man, we, we, do, we do this for y'all, man. And like I said, my boy AC over here picking up the reins and everything right now. So, hey, man, love all y'all, man. Love all the fans. Man, stick stick with us, man. We're gonna be doing this shit for for, for the whole season. You know what I'm saying? Right now, yeah. we, we in between right now. We we need some more information coming, but we're gonna be doing this for y'all, man. We always here. So, uh, all right. I guess uh, last but not least, your boy AC coming here with my shout outs. Shout out to everybody in the chat, man. It was popping off today. Uh, everyone had good information about prospects and where they had them ranked and. Did we, did we get a steal? Should we have gone a, in a different direction? And all those comments are perfectly welcome here at the ballroom because just like a ballroom, we're going to sit around and Chris will have a couple of beers and uh, and, and we'll talk about uh, <laughs> the way the, the way our Bears are headed. I mean, yeah. uh, we brought in a whole other team in UDFAs. That was a whole other spot to cover there. And uh, we went a little long here, but it's okay because uh, – there's 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 no time like the present to go over all these presents that we just got uh the day after christmas in my opinion um and uh so definitely just like kb was saying if you guys like the content i hate to sound like a beggar but like comment share whatever uh get our stuff out there um jordan it's 
awesome to have you on. Um, I know it's early for you this year, and it's going to be super early for you during the season because we go an hour earlier than we did today. But uh, your information is spot on, on point. You knew about guys that I had never even heard of from schools that I've never even heard of, and I love that. So uh, just like KB said, you being a well of knowledge is absolutely incredible. Uh, Chris Watts giving us that uh, across-the-pond perspective on our Bears, and I did see there was a kid, a 12-year-old kid from uh, the U.K. that made, I think, one yeah, of our fifth-round Yeah, yeah. And you were, the, yeah, you were the first one that came to mind. I was like, that's C-Dub's yeah. guy. Yeah, but how come they didn't ask me though? That was a problem. <laughs> they were like, they were probably like, this dude's drunk. We would bring him in, but we don't know how it's going to be. Look at the state of him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring this Long kid in. with maybe. a beer. And KB, brother, it's good to have you back, man. Yeah. Been trying to get you on. I know you've been super busy with. Uh, the day job and whatnot, you know, working a baby is like, so you gotta, you gotta sleep when you can. I know how it is. Uh, so, uh, but it was great to have you on today to talk about some of these prospects. I know you're excited too. He didn't mention it, but KB went to the draft party at uh, soldier field this oh, last yeah. weekend. Oh, right. so, uh, <laughs> uh, so that was pretty cool. I had a lot of drinks. Uh, yeah. Uh, real, real quick, it was, it was dope. Uh, got got to speak to Zach Miller. Uh, oh, it was, cool. You know, what I'm saying I didn't tell him I, I didn't want to take no pictures and stuff like that. I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not all that. So I just came up to him and was like, "Hey, man, miss seeing you play and everything like that." And he he seemed real appreciative of it, man. So so much so that when they got done, they walked out. He turned around, and was like, "Hey, man, appreciate you through the one up for me." I was like, "Oh, that's awesome. You remembered yeah. me." <laughs> <laughs> so, you got a hey, star man. two, KB. That's why you got hey, a star two, bro. I try to be, man. I have my, I have my little, my little round glasses on. You feel me? I'm trying to, trying to, trying to look extra Miami. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to. I, di- I didn't want to bring it up last week because I didn't know if uh, if he didn't want it out there or not. But uh, our brother, uh, Bobby, he lost his brother this past week. So he's definitely in our thoughts and prayers. And uh, mm-hmm. if you follow him on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook or anything, just shoot him any little message will help. You know, you know you're know, you in our thoughts and whatnot. Um, we love you, Bobby. And uh, we'll definitely – you know the chair is always open for you here. Um I'll I will hand the reins to the AC show over to Bobby Bombs whenever he's ready to come back, uh, for sure. And uh, I I don't know how else I can finish the show other than that. So we'll just uh, uh, let me see if I can bring up our ending to the show here, and we'll hit everybody with a big old bear down. Bear down, bear down. everybody. Bear down,